Magic Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. Without Fears, Hermetic Podcast. I'm your host, Frater R.C. For more and exclusive episodes, visit magicwithoutfears.com. Thank you for your support. On the streets of Philadelphia. You're not on the streets, though, are you? I, no, I'm not. <laughs> That's a good thing. Not at the moment, no. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be on the streets. I know. It's, it can be pretty rough, you know. <laughs> well, I usually uh, don't do uh, video ones, but here, I'll throw on the video and we'll oh. make it a video one. Sound good? Sure. Oh, yeah. No, no worries. I eat whatever you prefer. One second. All right. Should I turn on my pretty background? Yeah, let's oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> How's it going? There we go. Now we're styling. I got my twinkle lights. Hey, it's in time for the holidays. I know, right? Never too late. <clears throat> I know. I haven't set up my stuff yet. I got a, I have like a small tree and everything and various like assorted small items for my apartment. I have to, I still have like some hot leftover Halloween stuff I have to, I have to take down and then put up all the, all the Christmas stuff. Uh, but I'm usually always late to that anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't done that myself in a few years when you're on the road, you know, you just sort of do what's being done and all that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, um, I, you know, I like to put like a couple things up just to, you know, get in with the, with the flow of the, of the changing season and everything. <laughs> so is it true that, lacuna coil got you into alistair crowley and kenneth grant and all these magical things no um, did i read I that mean, right uh 
No, I mean, you know, I, I can dig some of their stuff. I was never actually a uh, a huge fan of them, though. Uh, do they make Grant? Have they made references to, to Kenneth Grant? I thought I saw you mention that somewhere on Instagram in our chat. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I think that was um, Coil, uh, the, uh, with that, um, you know, that kind of electronic group with uh, at John Balance, They've, you know, from like initially like in the 80s and then like I guess up until he – he died like in 04 or whatever. That's when they Shit. stopped. Yeah. That shows how in touch I am. Oh, Man. no, that's all right. The shame. Um, yeah, no, apparently, yeah, they're, uh, um, you know, they they were very into like uh, Austin Osmond Spare um, and like sigil work and stuff like that. And uh, um, he was, I know that John Bounce was, was, he was into Crowley. I don't think he was ever like in, any organization or anything um at least early on they had a lot of references to him and then they kind of moved away from him a little bit when they had like two phases of their their career they had like a, a solar uh, phase and then they um moved into a lunar moon music phase and they kind of got more into like uh earth mysteries and uh you know plant stuff and um one after know, that goddess- Om and pan, pan and omnia money. Exactly. Yeah. Or what's that other? Um, what's that other group? Oh, there's a bunch of them. Damn. Who am I thinking of? The ones out of Seattle. My buddy played with them. Ah, they're sort of steampunk. Do you know the one I mean? They're like electronic steampunk with multi instrumentalists. Um, and who am I thinking of? Was that that? Uh, it wasn't the Dresden Dolls. No, that's that's that, uh, Amanda uh, fucking Palmer. <laughs> Yeah. She's amazing. She's amazing. So when I'm, I, I posted that photo of me and her, me and her and Neil Gaiman on the street and I ran into them after my friend's gig cause he was doing sound for their buddy. And um, it's so funny. Cause I was like, you know, me, Amanda was pregnant and really tired, but we were talking, they saw my loot and uh, I was like, can I get a picture or two? She's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And Neil Gaiman's like reaches out for my camera. He's like, do you want me to take it? I'm like, uh, Neil Gaiman, wow. uh, as much as I'd love you to take a photo of me, uh, it would be cool if you were in it. <laughs> and uh, the, my picture was shaking actually because I was so nervous. Because like, oh my he's such he's a bigger hero of mine than she is, but it's comparable, you know. Like literally, oh, yeah. the night before, I had been at an Irish pub gig and I played her song in my mind, and oh, uh, while awesome. she was doing a show down the street, and I was playing her song up at an Irish pub just a few blocks from there. And so, so crazy to get to actually run into them and, and you chat. You must have summoned her, you know? I no was way. focused on her appearance, on seeing them. Uh, yeah. I was, I was literally, and I was on my way to my friend's birthday party. And uh, after my buddy did sound for this gig on at Commercial Drive at, at, at a, where was it? Lieber Room. And uh, yeah, on, and oh my God. And if she hadn't been pregnant, they would have actually come into my friend's birthday party. They were like, uh, yeah, we'd come. Awesome. But like, and as soon as I walked in, my friend, uh, Terry, a longtime friend of my band and stuff, her whole bookshelf, like she has like basically an altar set up to Neil Gaiman's writings. Nice. And so can you, imagine, that, yeah. can you imagine if I had actually walked in with him there, like it, literally three doors down. It was so close. But you yeah. know, when when it's you know nine at night and you're pregnant, like so Jesus, like, but it was really cool. That was really cool. But I, that, I, uh, it is. I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll it'll occur again. You know, at another time. 
Well, a lot of my friends work with her when she's in town and uh, I don't know, I mean, yeah. Where do they, do they both live? Where are they, are they in the US or yeah, do they? I think, I think he's like, you know, he's, he's, she's got him like a little, a little sh like shed in the backyard yeah. where she keeps him like, you know, on a leash and feeds yeah. him once in a while and just like go be a genius. And like, he's done videos in his shot. He's like, it's me and I'm writing. And, and this is my shed, my shed, my office, you know? <laughs> so he's that's a good amazing, boy. He's yeah. a good boy. I mean, that's pretty funny. Um, a, f a friend of mine, a poet, Rain Graves, I think she's in Texas now. She was a priestess of the Fellowship of Isis and Isis Oasis, where I was teaching last year or this year. And uh, she won the Bram Stoker Award for Poetry and is good friends with Neil Gaiman as well. So oh, that's awesome. He, he's, he's out there, but he's one of those guys where it's like, ah, you know, it's hard to imagine what sort of questions you want to ask him. He's more like someone you want to spend hours with and just shoot the shit and oh, see yeah, what you come definitely. up with. He'd be a fun person to get stoned with. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I, uh, I love, you know, great comics and graphic novels too and all that. I mean, I would, I feel like, you know, him and a couple other, you know, like Alan Moore too, uh, um, you know, always like to, especially because of his, you know, his, his, his ceremonial magician thing going on too. Um, I like, I, I like a lot of his stuff too, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it's like you said, when, if you meet one of them, it's like, you know, at, and like, how much can you, you know, can you really think of to say in just a short amount of time, you know, without just being overcut, you know, it's like, like, like you, you need like a, like, hours you know at least. i find yeah i mean some of them you can see yourself uh like you can you can go onto josh freeze's website you know josh freeze of course right yeah oh the yeah. drummer yeah i mean he's so good that, ever, that yeah he he's such a good session drummer that he actually had to do all the drumming on that first evanescence album because their drummer wasn't good. like they That's got signed right. but he wasn't good enough to do a professional album he, yeah. probably, he probably was barely hitting the click right and so he got flown in to do Evanescence's album. One of the great things about that first Evanescence album is, is the drumming. And the reason it's so good is because Josh fucking Freeze, right? Nine Inch Nails, a perfect circle yeah. of fucking everybody. He plays on everything. I know, um, yeah, like, especially so, so much of those, like, 2000s, you know, hard rock albums. Like, yeah, he's, like, you know, Seether and, like, Puddle Mud and all that. Seether, like, yeah. They're like, yeah, their, their drummers were basically, like, you know, they weren't up to the task, so he's yeah, he's just like the default <laughs> drummer. So, yeah. did you know you can go on his website where he he plays guitar and sings and does all that shit, right? You can go on his website and buy his album for like five, ten bucks, and he'll call you personally and thank you. But you can oh, also yeah, like know that. Pay, yeah, you can also like pay five grand and like go to his place and he'll give you one of his old cars and you can pick something out of his wardrobe, like two pieces, or My God. you can yeah, he he has an option where you can like pay him like twenty grand and he'll like come be your personal assistant at your house for 30 days or go on tour with you Holy shit. or you can pay him like he, six seven grand and he go play mini golf with him and danny carey and do mushrooms after wow as with that adam jones that, yeah yeah and i, guess, I thought I that was the most up, you know? it's 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 so economic but it's also such just a creative way of approaching you know, selling your art and your meet your creativity. I just thought that's hilarious because you know yeah, maybe I would like, pay like five weird. ten grand to go do mini golf with him and 
Adam Jones and two mushrooms in a graveyard. Oh yeah, like, that would that. Yeah. that would be better spent ten grand or whatever it costs than most things you would spend ten. Like you know, you could get a better car, or you oh, could yeah. do mushrooms in yeah, mini golf think... with tool. Yeah, or like I don't know. What do what do I don't know, like people that just you know win ten grand. I, I, yeah, you know they probably just. Get the like the very boring usual things, right? Car or go on a, I don't know, on a yacht or have a have a bunch of really good stakes. I guess I don't know. No. Well, like I, yeah. I missed out on a bunch of the money Canada's giving out because um, I was in the states and now they owe it to me. But like, what's that? That's a car and a computer. That's all it is. Maybe a couple of instruments, like you know, get a new guitar. You know, oh, it, yeah, yeah, it goes fast, man. It goes fast. Um, oh yeah my uh how much did they give you you guys uh everyone in canada since march has been getting two thousand dollars a month but check this out because they had two because they had two ways of signing up for it a whole bunch of people signed up both ways and got four grand a month (laughs) so they got like twenty eight thousand up to september and now the government's like you got to give that back to us and people are like wait what 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 did you say uh i can't hear you Yeah, no, we, that's, I mean, that sounds like a pretty good deal. We got, I think we got a, we got a thousand once. You guys got uh, well, nothing. It, what's that? You guys got nothing. We like, did get yeah, nothing. I yeah, I was there. I was there and everyone got like 1200 bucks and I knew some people that got the money and basically, you know, we all got drunk and that was it. Yeah. You know, I was surprised that they even gave us that much. I mean, you know, cause like the, the thought of, the United States government, you know, giving out Anything. any sort of like money amount is like, you know, I was like, well, you know, that must, you know, they if they give everyone like 10 bucks, you know, I, I'd be like, man, that, that, you know, shit's serious then, you know, but, uh, yeah, that, uh, that kind of, that did get burned through pretty quickly. Um, and then, yeah. you know, now, uh, you know, which is, especially in Philly, uh, I mean, it depends kind of by state, you know, Pennsylvania, but you know, they, we haven't shut down again. And, um, like I'm obviously for, you know, the controlling measures of the coronavirus and, but like, they just, you know, if they shut people's businesses down, but they have no like safety net. So they just lose their business. And it's like, there's no, there's no like thought behind it, which is really, really stupid. I think, you know, dude, everyone up here thinks you guys are so fucked. Oh yeah, we They're definitely just like, are. Yeah. They, everyone's so proud to be Canadian up here right now. They're like, "Thank God." I mean, there's no sense of complicity in our role in the world whatsoever. But no, nah, uh, well, it's like it's a tricky. And that's one. you know, like that's the, the you know the the Democrats doing that. Like you know, I'm not uh, you know personally, I'm not a well, I'm not really, I'm not registered with you either. But I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, you look like a regular myself. sort of dude to me. <laughs> Is that well, right? I mean, I, I you got like, some, like fanatic whack job on either side of the spectrum. No, I mean, I, 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 I don't know, think most people are. Yeah, you know, none of them, none of it's really like it has has really energized me. You know, I, I like the uh, the kind of strange, uh, kind of pseudo anarchism of uh, was it Jack Parsons? You know, the Rocket Dude. I was like, that's pretty. I can get behind that. The the uh you know the telemic the the telemic dude that yeah (coughs) jack parsons yeah i can get behind that Um, everyone listening knows who jack parsons is or will very shortly oh yeah Yeah. did you watch strange angel i didn't know um you have to see that 
Yeah, I, I heard it was, you know, it came out, um, but I never, unfortunately, never got around to seeing it. Um, it's a good show. Like, I, I wish they up. had included more magic and portrayed it more more fully. It's not that they didn't do it accurately, but it wasn't very fully expressed. They needed an occult consultant like me on it, that show, clearly. Um, oh, yeah. If you're they in should, film. Should, yeah. Oh, I've been hired before. I had consulted on Supernatural and I performed exotic instruments on stuff. Um, oh, that's right. But, yeah, I, that was in um, your your podcast with um, uh, that uh, uh, that um, the Wiccan lady uh, Ray, right? We were talking yeah. about the supernatural. <laughs> yeah, you can go to like www.occult.consulting, and that's my consulting page for film stuff. Um, and you know, it's it's it it's not no. There's nothing to check out because, but it's just <laughs> you have to have it there. Like when I go mix with my film friends, everyone you know is everyone they have crazy parties and you got to have you you know people everyone wants to make some sort of plans with you <laughs> you got to have a page and a way for them to contact you if anything pans out 99 percent of stuff never pans out but if you don't have it yeah. set up you know a lot of my friends were on the magicians and i would have loved to consult on that they even filmed it at my old seminary at U university of british columbia and oh, uh, nice. it was that's where if you've seen the magicians that's where i went to school where I was studying theology and learning Hebrew and then running and managing a golden dawn temple in the evening. Like it was a very magical time. So when I saw that show, I was like, Oh Jesus. Um, that's the books a, that's were a good great. moonlighting. Like that's a good, uh, yeah. you know, combination of, of, uh, roles too. seminary and, and golden dawn. I, I, well, I thought so. That's really why I did it because I realized there was some crucial, like in running a, a temple of a magical order, there's so many things you're not trained to do on a human level. And I was like, okay, well, churches have been at this a while. Maybe they know a few things. Plus getting, actually learning ancient Hebrew. You know, I didn't realize that one of the professors was one of the few in the world that knew Aramaic, but I took that. They're like, you want to do Aramaic as well? Yeah, fuck yeah, I want to do Aramaic. That's awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. Like what, a, I just lucked out. Um, but what I learned about pastoral care and working with people, spiritual direction, um, forget the homiletics, like learning how to do sermons and all of that, but just how to practice the interpretive act of hermeneutics of fusing texts and horizons so that people can understand what was said then in a context that's relevant now without violating fundamental principles of the magical or spiritual teaching of the text. I mean, that's something that applies to magic just as much as it applies to religion. And uh, yeah. that's something we could be a lot more open to in the magical world is understanding what we don't have, what we don't know, like the skill set that that's lacking. Um, because we all get, there's a lot of fights in the magical world that don't need to happen. We could learn from the churches who have been fucking up at this for a long time. Like they haven't done it well, but they have learned a lot. And that learning is reflected in the teachings, especially in an academic environment when you're, you know, all the, te they, the teachers there might all be reverends of Presbyterian, Lutheran, or Episcopal, or what, Catholic, or Unitarian, Wiccan pagans, but they all have PhDs and they were taught by serious academic institutions most of the time, um, if not all the time. And that's something we could learn a lot more from instead of saying, oh, I didn't get it in a book from Llewellyn, so it doesn't matter. Right. Oh yeah, no. I mean, magical I, I development think, is human development. I mean, I was like, you know, reading like theological material. You know, um, it's so much fun. I, I mean, it, crazy. It's kind of what you, you know, yeah, like what you did is kind of like you know a throwback to like the early Golden Dawn days, 
like there's a you know where you what where a coincidence were, <laughs> yeah you know where there were people that were um you know weren't, weren't there like anglican priests and uh, that uh dr you know, dr tony oh, fuller yeah. wrote his phd dissertation on anglican clergy in the golden dawn and he yeah. was actually doing his phd with my phd mentor at exeter during the same years that i could have been there but i chose to be in belfast doing an irish band at the same time other there's no need to really be on campus when you're doing a doctoral research phd um okay, yeah. you know because you're just reading books and writing a dissertation it's not there's no classes but it would exactly. have been cool to have met tony fuller and yeah he really he really shed light on how much clergy were involved and one thing he shows because i was reading I'm, I'm always dipping into his dissertation is he really does show it's not like this was a trend within Episcopal Anglican priests. This was, you know, the few. It was just a few here yeah. and there. But what he examines interestingly is, were they um, priests practicing and studying in the Golden Dawn of the original order um, because they were interested in stuff different to their religion or were they in the Golden Dawn because of their religion? Yeah, and that's the really fascinating little nuance that makes the dissertation a great read because you're like, holy shit! You know, if you if you don't know anything about magic or occultism, you're gonna read that and be like, oh wow, religion's way more magical than I realized. And the theology, there's the difference between theology or theosophy or anthroposophy or occultism. It's so minuscule. There's not really even oh, yeah. a difference between theology and philosophy. It's all just thinking. We're just thinking, right? Unless you actually say, exactly. oh, there's the Bible is the written word of God, you know, ejaculated from the mind of divinity. But it's not. It's written down by people with hands yeah. like ours and minds like ours in a different time with different base knowledge. And once you start, once you eradicate the divinity of sources, which is essential to the scholarly and hermeneutic project of studying theology, you have to do that. Otherwise, you're not being exegetical, you're being eisegetical, and you're reading yourself into the text rather than extracting from the text a meaning that bridges the horizontal understanding between you and me. And that's yeah. got to be the task of, of exegesis as opposed to just, otherwise it's pure woo-woo and you're just making shit up and you may as well, uh, you know, speak in tongues. That's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's I would I would like to read that though that uh, that dissertation. Um, yeah, you can find it online, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, because you definitely don't really see, you know, like you said, it was a, it wasn't a trend, but I feel like, well, I guess I can't, I I, I can't make a generalization and say there aren't you know, people in seminary or priests in various denominations that are have a cold interest nowadays. Um, well, I think you know we're kind of get prone to this idea that all of modern Christianity is very, you know, very resentful of any sort of occult or, yeah. you know, mis and uh, a lot of that's a result of the American rebirth of evangelicalism and uh, fundamentalism, right? I mean, Christianity is very different oh, yeah. in America than it is in Europe. Oh um, yeah, absolutely. You know, it's uh, spreading though. Remember, um, they're, uh, like, you know, like South America, places, uh, Central America, Mexico, places that are 
traditionally associated with Catholicism. There's like a, a in maybe like the past, I don't know, um, decade or a couple of decades, like American evangelicalism has been really spreading there and like Africa too and all that. Um, I guess uh, I remember reading it. I should probably cite what I'm talking about, but I, uh, instead of just sounding like I'm <laughs> making well, it up, I do, I do just What was your uh, religious reading. upbringing? Were you, were you raised religious? Yeah, well, I was, I was raised Catholic, yeah. Um, Philadelphia you know, Catholic. What's that? Philadelphia Catholic. Yeah, um, my dad was born in Philadelphia. And, I mean, I live here now, but I they moved to the suburbs, so it was this, the, this, the suburb in Philadelphia Catholic experience. Um, are you guys still, are you still resentful of DC kicking you out? Um, they took your place, right? You were the, the main city and now you're not? Oh, uh, you Do know, you guys have beef? Yeah, there's, uh, well, Philadelphia is like the most resentful city in the, in the planet, <laughs> I think. There were, yeah, they're very resentful, you know, a very, it would chip on our shoulder here. <laughs> really? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> Are you serious? Definitely, yeah. Uh, with anything, really. I mean, just the general attitude, sport, you know, sports related. Uh, and I, I mean, Philadelphia felt kind of vindicated a little bit with uh, the, this kind of narrative that um, we swung the uh, current election for Biden. So there was like some celebration. I don't know how much that actually happened, you know, with the endless recounts and all that, but that people seem like somewhat vindicated. And they either celebrating for a couple of days, and then they went back to being very angry again after that. <laughs> wow. um, yeah, no, it's definitely a it's a certain certain uh, energy associated with Philadelphia, people from Philadelphia. Um, but yeah, and my dad, yeah, he went to Catholic school. He in uh, well. Um, when he when he was younger, he moved out of Philadelphia and this into the burbs, and that's where he went to Catholic school. And he hated it, so we never we didn't have to go. We went to public school, um, and then I did you know the um, communion and confirmation and all that. And then we sort of kind of collectively kind of drifted away a little bit and didn't really become regular attendees. My mom doesn't. Doesn't even go anymore. My my dad just goes on Christmas and Easter. Although he, he obviously won't go this year, but he he kind of does it out of the, the that little bit of a guilt notion, you know. That's kind of sinister within Catholicism. The the uh, yeah. ever-reaching guilt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I converted as an adult and went through the rite of Christian initiation for adults. Uh, I think when I was Catholicism? 19, yep, that's what it's for. Oh, okay, I hope and I wasn't talking too harshly about it. No, <laughs> no, like, no, I was, like, I was in Mass two, three times a day doing the rosary for 20 minutes before Mass, like, because we had Mass at school. I was at Corpus Christi College, which was a Roman Catholic uh, undergraduate, and after yeah. after six months there, they were like, yeah, you can skip out of that night. I actually challenged, I challenged my BA and got into the master's program. Um, but oh, nice. the spirituality of the environment, I really loved because if I was going to be at college, I, I wanted to, I had tried it before a little bit, but the teachers were just really inadequate compared to Walder school, which is a private school, super artistic, but also with really Steiner, smart teachers. Right? Yeah. Steiner. Yeah. So like they allowed, if you just wanted to be like, 
like Tommy Chong's son was there stoned all the time and barely graduated. But like they'll they'll accommodate that because they know they know it's not about the same thing that you that public school thinks education is about. They know that, um, and they don't force things on you. But if you want to like be a as the Germans would say it a streber a striver and be a streber like me and uh, just you know study everything and, and go as far as you can well the teachers will help you do it um, and because you don't have to worry about government exams or provincial tests you can basically just just you know kick ass and take names and and study the things you don't get to like self-direct your classes or anything you have to sit in the class with a bunch of other dumbasses um and you know for the first few years i would you know make mock my classmates because if you're a smart kid and and most kids act dumb whether they're smart or not you become one of those sort of douchebags in class but you have fun with it and you you tease the kids who are stoned or hung over um but eventually because you're in this hermetic environment which rudolf steiner was very aware that he was creating by making sure you had all your classes with the same people from grade one to grade 12, which seems insane at first, but then what you realize is you have to learn to get along with these people. You, and yeah. that's such a great microcosmic metaphor for human life. We need to get along with each other in like oh, an yeah, urgent absolutely. fucking way. And we know that like maybe if five years ago, if I had said this, we wouldn't all be nodding. But right now it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, like just basic basic cooperation, right? Maybe it is the aliens preventing a nuclear war this whole time, but we don't want to have to rely on aliens no, to prevent no, our yeah. own extinction, right? Exactly. What's your yeah. thoughts on aliens? Um, oh, is that a reference to that, um, that like Israeli dude, the, the, the Israeli official that was, he was like, we're, we're in the... In, Interactic Federation or something you, like that. You know, he said, I know, right? Which honestly is scary because it confirms all this shit on the Gaia.com channel that I just like watch when I'm stoned to laugh at and don't take seriously. But it does sort of confirm some of that. I'm like, shit, maybe they've had US troops on the moon all this time in some intergalactic alien war. Like, honestly, yeah. I hope that's the case because if, if, if there are no aliens here and, and we're just, we just, what we have is what we have and we have to figure our own way out of it. I'm not super hopeful right now, you know, but if there no, are aliens exactly. and all of this is partly some sort of negotiation with them for our future. Ah, like that's interesting. Like I want to know more. Yeah. Like, like I'm with, then I'm excited. Like how cool would it be if we're the first people alive in his, the mem, you know, remembered history to be like if it's our lifetime that would be fucking crazy yeah. right have you ever read that book by arthur c clark uh, childhood's end of course kind of, yeah that's like it's uh, it's like the same principle you know they're they're aliens the, the that race the the overlords were they were the whole thing they were kind of slowly you know guiding humanity to this higher state of existence and they were really extremely slow about revealing their their actual appearance and all that and but yeah that's that's what it reminded me of. like when i heard that that story i was like oh that's kind of like it reminded me a little bit of uh, and i guess a little bit of like the day there stood still in like a little more like benevolent sense you know because uh yeah 
Um, also, it, that that Israeli guy came on the heels of the the French professor, right? Uh, I think I, yeah, I think I missed that. Though. What what is that? That was he was on Rogan and released uh, the Phenomenon documentary, which I watched. Oh, um, yeah. And 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 what's crazy is the details that they've been omitting from all these alien sightings over the years are that they've been admitting stuff they said isn't relevant, but the stuff they're admitting is, they're revealing now is actually the stuff that is congruent across all the encounters. And it is really shocking and seeing like the kids who saw them in the play, in the, in the playground, like that's in Africa, that's, it's just crazy. Um, oh, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I was sort of an alien denier my whole life, <laughs> uh, but optimistic and I, I, I'm always open. My favorite thing is to be wrong. It's fucking great, great. Nothing's better than being wrong, um, especially when you spend a lot of your time like devoted to like knowledge and skills. Like you want to find the gaps. You're a musician, right? So you understand like you. It the most boring part of playing an instrument is when you don't know where to go next. That's the worst. You're like, oh, how do I've gotten this good? How do I get better? And if you don't know, shit. Because then you're going, you might actually have to pay someone some money to get better. And the better and better you get, the harder and harder it is. Like when I do guitar lessons last few years, I go with my buddy Gunter from KMFDM, and he'll like up up my ante a bit, right? But like, yeah, that's that's awesome. <laughs> and you want it, but you have to play with better and better performers to improve. You have to, yeah. And and it gets painful because you know it's it's fun to play with people who can't keep up. But it's also you're not developing as much, right? You want to know where yeah. to go. You're learning the bass right now, right? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. That's correct. Yeah, somewhat slowly, but uh, but you know, making some some progress. Have you watched Davy Five Hundred Four? I haven't. Nah. Oh, bro, I'm not you too are, aware, actually. you're you're gonna in for a few sleepless nights. He's this it Italian a... Italian bassist kid who's fucking hilarious. His videos are absurdly, insanely stupid and amazing. <laughs> Uh, yeah. on like youtube yeah on like youtube yeah he's made like two million bucks on youtube uh playing bass and just doing the most ridiculous videos he'll like, he'll, yeah, like hold yeah. a gun at the screen he'll be like you're playing bass and if you play guitar that's illegal i come to your house and you're like Dude. That's, that's, that's amazing he also has a series of videos he has an, yeah davy 504 he has a separate youtube channel where he would uh, it's he would have this this anima bass girl in a mini skirt and a girl playing bass and she was really good and for years you thought it was uh, 
this anima base girl and then finally after the channel blew up he like reveals and it goes up and it's him just in an and he's like six foot wow. four italian dude right and yeah he looks super time but like you're like he was anima base girl the whole time doing a mock sort of straw man competition between his two youtube channels wow that's see I, that's that's great when, <laughs> that's you know, people so do. funny People just have that absurd thing going on because it makes everything more interesting, I think. Uh, well, the creati creativity that is opened up to us right now, I think people, I mean, a lot of people do realize it, but it's, it's like sometimes I realize when I'm looking at what I'm doing and how I'm doing it, I, I realize I could do this in a completely different way. Like if you just sit back and go back and, and think, what am I able to do here? And how could I do it differently and write down a list of all those ideas you're like wow there's a lot of room for for creativity and and I think we're in shock still as a as a culture to know what to do with it that's why everyone's on TikTok just doing their little dances it's like because they haven't come up with anything better like there's there's so much room it's especially if we could interact Definitely. with each other and, and that's that's what brings us to the terror of our times which is the limitation from interacting with each other especially in person because you know we could play music over zoom but yeah it's yeah, not the same i guess some people have found or a lot of people have found a way to to uh make money you know doing various things just on youtube or, or tiktok but you're right it's 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 we're still in a very unfocused stage with the all the, the technology that we have and the interconnected interconnect interconnected inter interconnectedness Dude, that we have. You're not even in yeah. Oregon. They haven't even legalized drugs yet where you live. No. Yeah. Well in 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 Philly it's they kind of stopped enforcing um like criminaliz uh criminalization of like small amounts uh they don't really they don't really make uh checks and searches that much anymore here i guess they they thought it'd be a, a, a like one less thing for them to kind of worry about the you know the police here um so it's it's people are are fairly open with it in philadelphia just like driving around you know or just walking around you can you know people aren't uh as you know, hidden about it as they as they had been. That's just in the city, though, Philadelphia. Uh, but other parts, it's like once you go right outside, it's uh, it's different. And uh, like you said, it's state by state, so it's it's all over the place. And people are are hopeful that I guess Biden or whatever is going to do some kind of an initiative to make on a federal level to make it a uh, legal. I, I don't know. And people have been saying that for a while, so it's hard to take it completely seriously. But yeah, so uh, it's, Philadelphia it's is in what state? In Pennsylvania. <laughs> Pennsylvania. That's all right. I don't think yeah. I've been there. I don't think I've been there. I've been very near there. You're somewhere near like Ohio, right? Well, I, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, Pennsylvania, well, Pennsylvania borders Ohio, yeah. I'm it does? About, if I were to Dude, I, I basically to was completely Ohio. right. I was basically yeah, completely yeah, right you, there. 
Jesus, yeah, you, you, you were... you're making me insecure as a Canadian. Yeah, I nailed oh, no, it. Sorry, I nailed your yeah. neighbors. I nailed your neighbors. Yeah, I wasn't like no, that's I... by Louisiana, eh? Because <laughs> you're not no, by you're Louisiana, right? right? No, no, we're no. yeah, we're not by no. Louisiana, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, um, I, I was no, at a you're right. trade I was, show I was, in Columbus, I was, Ohio. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, I have to get to Pennsylvania and to see uh, Philadelphia, assuming the Civil War works out there. And you guys yeah, chill yeah, out. I mean, the whole world. How does it feel to know that the whole world is watching you more than ever, just praying you don't kill us all? Well, I, I, I unfortunately, I think a lot of Americans are are just insulated from that. They don't really... They don't realize well, I'm it. I'm just not really aware that uh, the rest of the world is is really existent. The <laughs> last 14 great. months in the States, dude, I like, even if I searched for Canadian news, it was hard to find. And oh, like, yeah. Um, it was hard, like, I mean, my, and as soon as I got back here, it, you, it the algorithms all changed and they were showing me very different <laughs> stuff. Like right now, it's all happy Canadian news. Like everyone's like, "Yay, Pfizer has a vaccine," and everyone's super excited to take it. This is the this is the word from the government. Please comply. There's like no dissenting voices in Canada. Whereas in the states, you'll have like, you know, the vaccines are gonna kill you, like all vaccines. Then they're like, vaccines are gonna save you through Jesus. Then they're like, Jesus hates vaccines. Oh, yeah. And you're like, holy shit, America is insane. And up here, it's like oh, yeah, everyone loves the vaccine, don't you know? And like, there's no dissent. There's no dissent because they've yeah. imprinted our voices. They've got our video and audio. Like I, I call my bank now, and it approves me when it hears my voice. I don't need any codes. Yeah. And they've made us sync our Which bank accounts with our taxes. Scary. So anytime you're going to buy, like you know, a gram of weed, they know because they're like, oh shit, it's 420, and he just <laughs> pulled out 20 bucks from the ATM. We know what he's doing. I mean, that's that is definitely that's definitely scary. So you, Canada has entered the Black Mirror realm. Yeah, right, any we, we go to a store, we write down our name and phone number, and they you wow. know they track it. And yeah, it's like people are driving by you in their car with their masks on, staring at you if you're on the street with your mask off. I've got a few wow. of those people like you know glaring at me, and I'm like alone on the street without a mask and <laughs> yeah, there's no I, I one for a hundred yards. I mean, we, we do get like, I, even here, I can understand that people solo in their car, uh, you know, with the windows up with their mask on. Uh, I mean, maybe, well, maybe it's uh, like, they don't, they put it on so they don't have to like touch their face again. Like you get to give them the benefit of the doubt, but otherwise it just, it would seem kind of weird, but yeah, I mean, it seems like what you're saying, you know, it's, uh, there, there's a trade-off in our our two country situations. Uh, you know, we we here have a degree of insanity and uh, par extreme paranoia, <laughs> and you know, realms of or elements of terror, I guess. But uh, you know, Canada. I I, just, I heard you mention that on one podcast where. It's like you said, the, the government is really intrusive. So it's like, it's, it seems like, you know, neither situation is, is ideal. It's, it's, there's, there's a lot of disturbing elements in different ways to both, both our situations. If you, if you uh, catch my drift. <laughs> sort of. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 uh... Well, would you, I mean, would you, uh, do you think it's, 
guess it's a hard question. I mean, do you think it's 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 better off in in your situation where the you have this really frightening level of of government intrusion or where we're at where it's no i think i think you guys are at a much better state um because the fight is still going on where you are the fight is over here um it's like like i didn't even realize like that we'd sold all our all our china china owns us it's not even a mystery right now the only potential competitor for China's control over us is America's control over us. So yeah. what you guys do next really does matter. Though at the same time, when I think of it more on a macro level, like when you think in your head and go down the list of all the things that are going on in the world, it really does look like there is an unstoppable movement towards a global technocracy-led world leadership of some form or the other the the sad thing about it for me is like you know we're still profiteering off all these sweatshops and shit like that whereas we could make things that don't need new batteries all the time we could make a phone that lasts and works well for 10 years and doesn't need this constant consumerist cycle that we're being we're we're just being turned in these consumer sheep milking at the teat right we don't need that and if yeah, we, that's yeah. where spiritual awakening could come in. Um, you know, it's not just about how many crystals you have, but how much time do you spend touching and massaging and, and rubbing that one crystal? And what do you get out of exactly. it? You don't need a million crystals and they don't all have to be huge shafts sticking out of your floor in some like yuppie manner. You could just have your little special crystal and hold it gently in your hands and rub oils on it and i am speaking of crystals of course but you know what my point is it's an apt metaphor i think across the spiritual traditions in general like for example we got it to talking because you were looking at the oto alistair crowley and golden dawn stuff right and i was like trying to help as i try to help everyone um where where exactly how did you get into really looking at this stuff that that's something i'm just curious about like what what was your avenue besides an electronic band so, called Coil, which yeah, you think is great? Coil, yeah, but well, yeah, besides music. Uh, and do you practice any of the rituals of the hermetic tradition? No, I mean, that, that was one of the things I was going to talk to you about because uh, I was in the stage where, where I, I was kind of coming out of it now where uh, I had kind of gone through a period of exploration and, and, and reading up about a lot of the different traditions and kind of just trying to gauge what would kind of seem to fit best and then kind of take the next step into, into actually starting to practice. Um, but to answer your question about how I got into other than, you know, just kind of hearing about it, um, I had uh, kind of, I was very typically I'd gone through growing up the, the very uh, kind of typical teenage or, or young adult period of it being raised in a religion and then being kind of resentful of it and then exploring some other different faiths and things like that. Um, I had, uh, after I kind of went through a period of, uh, of being really hostile to any kind of belief, I, I don't think I was ever an atheist, but I went just through a period of where I was really didn't like any of it um and then i kind of came out of that and got more interested in um certain aspects like uh like rituals uh because you know from 
Catholic perspective, it's a very ritualistic religion, uh, which which that was the part of it I I liked. Um, I explored like you know there's like, like heathenry, the, you know Germanic neo-paganism because I liked Norse mythology, but it was just kind of too foreign, I guess. Uh, so then I I, I kind of went and tried to explore like Christianity in a little bit, and that didn't really didn't really stick. <laughs> Jesus, so, I tried. Yeah, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, well, I. Uh, I mean, there, there was a lot of, uh, about um, the Christian history that I, I still find really fascinating. Um, and I, I love uh, biblical history. You can't history. really separate world history yeah. from Christian history, especially yeah. in the West. Um, that's one of the things I loved about learning about church history. It was essentially everything in grad school, church history for three years. And yeah. I realized, I said to the teacher one day, I was like, how is church history really different from history? Because I don't see how you can separate theology from the development of political powers, especially over the last 2000 years. And they're like, the teacher, Dr. Gerald Hobbs, is like, exactly. And that's the point. You don't really know yeah. if Martin Luther was creating a new religion just to like stick it to the Pope or because he had a really good bowel movement. It's like, yeah. that's a theory. That's a thing. He's like, oh, it's a big thing. That's a big thing. Because he talked about having his revelation on the toilet, but he was also pissed at what the Pope was doing with relics and charging all these poor people lining up for days in Rome to give their last shekels and oh, alms yeah. so that their dead the grandmother would spend. Life, yeah. yeah. So and uh, indulgences started out of a really sound magical principle and became a way of taking every last penny from the poor so grandma would spend five or 10 or 50 years less in purgatory. Like what a sham, exactly, right? Yeah. Like, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> like, and, no, and we think, crazy, we think, yeah. we think fundamentalist evangelicals have a racket going on nowadays. They ain't seen nothing until they saw the Roman Catholic church in yeah. 1500. Right. I mean, Absolutely, they, had th yeah. they had three popes for a while and they had orgies and competitions where priests would compete to see who could finish with the most nuns and they'd get a prize from the Pope. Like that was real shit. They were really doing oh, yeah. that for uh, forever. It makes the yeah. OTO look like a bunch of prudes. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, Alistair Crowley ain't got nothing on Pope Alexander. No, I know one of the popes is a Gnostic saint, I think in the, the, uh, <laughs> Ecclesia the, um, the, you know the the Gnostic Catholic Church, you know the 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 ecclesiastical arm of the of the OTO. Um, yeah, there's one pope. I forget which one it is though, but there is one pope that's it's in there. Uh, but that uh, was partly why I thought that the history behind the Golden Dawn and and the OTO and uh, even just a lot of current uh, cult movements was interesting because it uh, wasn't you know it was open about how it it relied on all these figures from Christian history, like the Renaissance alchemists and the, you know, the magicians and all that. Yeah. Um, like I didn't want to disparage, um, like very hard neo-paganism, but, uh, you know, you didn't really see a whole lot of that. Uh, I mean, you see with some, you know, there, there's like, there's like that, uh, Druid dude that was a John, uh, John Michael Greer that was all, he did the golden dawn stuff with the Druids, but, uh, 
Yeah, he he really fucked up with that, actually, in my opinion, because what he did was he and he says uh, he said in the beginning of that book that this is an exercise sort of in uh, aesthetic creativity. And, you know, for years, I was hoping someone uh, this brings us to the main topic tonight, which you and I spoke about the order of Celtic mysteries, which is something I'm doing with other people. But um, I was really convinced that he would or someone like him would make it happen you know finish off what yates started and you you mentioned yeah. to me on the, in our dms that uh you're a more yates guy than a crowley guy and, and you know i i've so, it's something yeah. i've it's something i've been realizing is probably uh been more prevalent than i thought it would be um and but just didn't really have much representation because wb yates is 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 mainly known you know as a poet and a playwright and uh, also political and, and sort of a well he's just a, he's quite a figure actually that yeah. he, he's often gotten a short shrift in the literary worlds despite you know the he has, winning all yeah. the top awards um he's often written off as fanciful and and fairy and, po- and poetic <laughs> overly dandyish um trying to resuscitate or maintain the romantic art form in poetic lyrics rather than moving into the 20th century and the beatniks and rap and the free verse movement. But in fact, yeah. he was a huge part of that movement, especially with his you know, friends and colleagues, T.S. Eliot and Ezra Pound. He really was part of that bridge from romantic. He even says in one of his poems, I am the last romantic. And he was, he knew it. He was post-romantic. Yeah. But the way he took uh, modern verse from early poems, like you know, The, the Secret Rose, and uh, Lake Isle of Ministry into like the second coming and the tower and these very hard to handle verse structures that are, are they're, they're laying out fluid verse, but then they're creating sharp seizures in the middle and then making blatant statements without rhyme at the end. And you're like, oh, snap, like stuff is shaking up here in 1825 or 1925 uh 1925 like he was he was testing the limits and trying to edge people into it and the part that's most discounted is his whole magical life which i found really interesting when i was 12 years old i'm like here's this guy who i love his poetry and you know i'm 12 so i'm highly developed intellectually (laughs) and emotionally as a as a spiritual being at that point um (laughs) And uh, then I discover Aleister Crowley, and then I discover these two motherfuckers knew each other, and I'm like, what the fuck? Hold the horses here. Like, someone explain what's going on to me. So I wrote a biography for grade eight on Aleister Crowley, and the teachers were like, oh, Aleister Crowley. And then they explained it to me, and I was like, holy shit, Rudolf Steiner then also interacted with Dr. Falcon, the head of the Golden Dawn group Stella Matutina which is how we have the lineage today and it's like the it's overwhelming it's just overwhelming the historical connections and how that goes back to these alternative interpretations of Christianity that happened leading up to the reformist period of Luther and Calvin and you see all this medieval magic which was really integrated so heavily with the Islamic movement up through Spain and the expulsion of the Jews bringing Kabbalah to the Italian Renaissance and then this development of, of human thought. Now, 
we know that Francis Yates was wrong. It wasn't a correlation between that and the Enlightenment and science. There wasn't a correlation. Yeah. Well, no, there was it's a correlation. Kind of there wasn't a causation. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was a there was a correlation, but not a causation. But I think you know the idea of the Rosicrucian secret stream moving throughout history, carrying these ideas of spiritual gnosis and direct human connection to nature and spirit which has led to the new age movement it's led to new thought it's led to everything that is coloring and influencing our our spiritual struggle today and it's super relevant right now right it's super relevant definitely yeah yeah i, th I think the new i'm not a huge fan of the new age uh, movement uh it is what it is. Just, it's like yeah. frappuccinos. Sometimes you drink one. That's true. Yeah. The um, but the uh, if you drink them every day, you're in trouble. What's that? If you drink them every day, you're in oh, trouble. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If 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 you stay with the if you're just new age all the time, then you uh, I, I I remembered you had something on the the um. What is it? The, the what was that the three initiate? Was that a uh, weird the text from the the Kabbalion? The that um, weird text. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. What's it? It is the, a weird text. The one with the vibrations, right? The, the well, see, the that's one of the Kabbalion, right? That's <laughs> one of the that's one of the good principles. Uh, yeah, you know, things are vibration. But yeah, the Kabbalion has a lot of problems, mainly because I think the flaw is because it pretends to be something it isn't. And that's where I think occultists today could really uh, learn a lot by we could stop pretending things are what we don't know they are. Um, yeah, like I was talking with someone today on 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 it on Instagram about uh, the DNA interactions of spirituality, and then also ancestral stuff. And there's there's a lot of problems with the ancestral movement. Josephine McCarthy in England, she she addresses this. She's quite a character, but I think she she's sort of right to say, uh, and she runs a big magical school that's free. Actually, it's not my style, but I like her style. If that makes sense. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, like so. It's like if if someone's not into what I do or what some orders are doing or what Jason Louv or Jason Newcomb are doing, everyone's a Jason and then they might like what she's doing and we want that yeah. kind of variety right like this isn't the fucking reformation where it's us or them right or left blue or red right this is our spirituality and it whatever way you have of learning it whether that's oto or golden dawn or whatever whatever appeals to you it should be something that's exciting and sets you on fire and that you want to do every day right yeah it's fairy wicca or grimoire magic because you if you're not doing it every day it's like playing music man you're I, not going to learn yeah, the yeah. bass if you don't yeah. practice every day it's better to play 15 minutes a day than fucking five hours friday and saturday each right and then nothing else yeah exactly yeah um yeah i mean that's kind of what i wanted to talk to you about too a little bit um i had a uh obviously i couldn't go in physically but i i had contacted our uh the our, our Philadelphia OTO lodge. That's the 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 Thalassus, uh oasis um, about uh, you know, starting in the the Minerva degree and all that. Um, primarily too, because it's it's really the only group that's uh, you know around uh, this area. Um, you know the the there's unfortunately there's not really a lot 
of opportunities, uh, at least in my experience, to really get it, at least locally here to kind of you know link up with a, a you know Golden Dawn group yeah. or anything like that. That's the but, that's uh, the problem. I mean, there are a couple yeah. a couple of the orders offer correspondence courses, um, and then you have to fly there for initiation, um, and that's yeah. good. Um, but like, if there's a local OTO group, that's good as well. OTO doesn't really teach magic in the same collegial way. Yeah, no, yeah. Like the Golden Dawn's the only empirical training school that we have for magic in in a global sense, um, and it and it's it's rigorous in that way, especially if it's done right, which usually is more, more or less. Yeah. I mean, there's there's critics who are very dogmatic, but I think they're they're I think they're a little silly. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I thought, there's only uh, one right to way to play music. This is the oh, kind yeah. of music. If you play the wrong kind of music, you're shit. Like what? Yeah. The fuck? Come on. Yeah, I mean, my my rationale too is you know it would it would be a way to kind of connect with more people in that area. Um, yeah, I mean the I guess you know for the for you know more of the rigorous stuff that would be like the AA I guess right for yeah. You know what? I think you should be a guinea pig for me, and I'll just watch your pro progress over the next few years. And what you should do is do one of the Golden Dawn orders, one of the ones with like that will teach you, even though you're not near a temple, like correspondence course. There's a couple, yeah. and do the OTO at the same time and see if you explode. Let's. Oh, let's yeah. can, I think you should you, do that. You look like I mean, you can handle. Would. You have the hair. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Do they? Got, uh, dude, do they I, I'm a musician as well, and I would, I would like. <laughs> I would trade knowledge of three of the instruments I can play to have your hair. Oh, thank you. I'd be like, <laughs> take it. away, take away. Okay, I'd give up playing the Irish tin whistle, which I am phenomenal at playing all six notes. <laughs> um, uh, and I'd give up percussion. I'd lose, I'd lose my percussion ability and, and bass. No, guitar, guitar, not bass. Guitar, yeah. Yeah, because I, I know I guitar way better than bass. Maybe I'd give up violin, but I like violin. I love instruments. I'm addicted to instruments. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Fucking like, I just I I used to, I remember I spent one I spent like twelve hundred dollars on a on a banjolin. Like you know banjolin, it's a mandolin, uh, but it's a banjo. It's a banjo. It's yeah. a banjolin. And I love that thing. I love that thing so much. I mean, it sounds like a good investment, though. I would I wouldn't regret that purchase. <laughs> I would play Galway Girl, and it would sound like a mandolin, but also a banjo, a banjolin. But the uh, and I mean, what I, I really I want, wrong with that. What I really want is a theremin. It's time. It's time for oh, the yeah. theremin. Yeah. That that is a good investment. Yeah. So you don't want to you don't want to trade that many instrument skills for the for the hair. You we know? trade it all for your hair, motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus Christ, your hair yeah. has its own like ecosystem. Jesus. I, I, yeah, I, mean, I was I was fortunate. Uh, I, I I don't I don't try to take it for granted. So yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I'd be I'd be a guinea I'd be a guinea pig for dip for for various, join a uh, join a Golden Dawn order and tell them that you're also joining Thelema. So one some of them might not let you join because there's yeah. a bias in the Golden Dawn against. But do you do OTO and Golden Dawn at the same time? And let's see in three years if you become a super magician, which I think you might. Maybe you would, because you'd have the encouragement of a local group, the correspondence training of a Golden Dawn order, and then you can yeah. still go through uh, those initiations because they really are compatible. Um, 
I was one of the heads of a temple that for years promoted the incompatibility, but I didn't know what I was talking about. And then when I ended up at an OTO Oasis and, and was teaching its members in Belfast, I was like, oh, this stuff's completely compatible. And then Lon Milo Duquette really clarified it for me when he told me, he's yeah. like, look, this is a religion. This is, Thelema is a religion. And everyone in the OTO is Thelemic. And yeah. Alistair Crowley's our saint. And it's a religion. And in Belfast, I learned that they weren't teaching magic strictly, especially not like we did it. Because we didn't have any religious elements really in the Golden Dawn. We had very generic language. And then every initiation goes through a different kind of mysteries, the Kabiric, the Egyptian, Jewish, um, you name it. it, goes through a bunch of different stuff. And that's to show you sort of this smorgasbord of mysteries and that current of light that runs through all of them. And, yeah. that, and it's focused on that current of light and initiating you into your own true will. And that's what that's for. And then yeah. a bunch of tools to help you handle it and do it better. And it's, that's non-religious. It's why everyone in the Golden Dawn vows, uh, we vow to always to not uh, criticize anyone because of their religion, believe it or not. And because what right do we have to desecrate what is sacred in another's eyes? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's, that's a good vow to take, you know? I mean, yeah, we can I mean, still make fun of religions, <laughs> but I'm not going to desecrate what I know is sacred. Oh uh, yeah, you, you wouldn't do you wouldn't do like the you know the black metal uh, like you know church church destruction in the name of Golden Dawn. I, I would assume, right? I guess not. Like you know, uh, um, <laughs> uh, yeah, that whole. Uh, so yeah, the, I mean, the destructive element within demonic demolitors, demonolitors, and and black metal is a little worrisome. So I think it's like a lot of people sort of working out their issues. Um, oh, yeah. And that's yeah, really we, magical. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, uh, just psychopathic people. And, um, but I, but in, in a lot of interesting music, but, um, but nowadays it's, that's not really in that sort of, I mean, that sort of genre, it's not really, it's not like the, 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 the main thing. I, actually, um, there's a lot of really serious uh, occult practices by a lot of heavy heavy music musicians um that's not just you know hard left hand path stuff there's a lot of there's you know there's thelemic band, uh, musicians and bands and there's these sort of gnostic kind of uh musicians too and there's there's uh yeah a lot of gnostic thelemic yeah. magicians and well the luciferians just huge like you know and more, more yeah, power to them is not my cup There's a couple of very, uh, very serious um, Christian ones too, and not, uh, not in like the um, like the Christian music industry. Yeah. There's a couple. Uh, not like well, Evanescence. No, yeah. There's a couple. Uh, there's That's one an inside that, joke, um, right? That's an oh, inside music were, joke. Only yeah, people yeah. who know music really well know that Evanescence first came out as a Christian band, then yeah, pulled all right. their CDs out of Christian stores when their yeah. album blew up yeah you know a lot of uh, there's a lot of a lot of some some decent bands get you know came out of the a lot of good hardcore bands came out of the christian hardcore scene like I the know. 90s it's um, a great way for a band to get yeah. good paying gigs early on yeah um but yeah, there's a couple of bands that um in in the sort of black metal influence vein that are uh um where the, where the musicians are very Christian, um, but it's in like a very, you know, it's, 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 
in like the old world European, very mystical uh, way. Um, there was one band that actually had a really good album this year from Sweden. It's really just one dude. Um, the band's called um, River Oro, River Orum Eve Malacht. He's like a he's like a Catholic dude, but it's like just it's really like like kind of more akin to like if you think of some medieval you know mi like mystic monk kind of stuff it's not like uh you know i don't know what's some what's some really like evangelical type it's not like you know skillet like uh you know we loved you know you know like waving the the evangelical flag um, yeah. and that stuff's really interesting um but yeah there's all sorts of like different currents in the you know, in that, in that kind of scene, which is, which is cool. I mean, that's part of why I kind of, kind of got interested in it more. I mean, I was never interested in, in like theistic Satanism. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting, but to read about, but, uh, but I mean, there's a lot of bands that are, that are not. So, uh, like I mentioned neurosis to you, uh, I think in the, in the DMS that's, that's, uh, if I don't want to compare them to tool, I mean, cause they don't really, other than being kind of progressive, they don't really sound anything alike, but there's definitely, um, you know, you might be, you might like them, you know, they're, they're, they're but there's definitely a lot of crazy esoteric stuff in there. Just their artwork and their, they have all like mandalas and stuff like that and their, and their lyrics and the, yeah, it's the, and then their live shows are like really, they have a kind of a tribal-esque, like a, like a shamanic thing going on. So it's very, uh, it's it's like a you know kind of more than a more than just like a, a, a entertainment thing. It's like a very kind of like intimate experience. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a lot of a lot of good bands. And yeah, Omnia, you know them? I don't think so. No, yeah, they're another pagan band out of Berlin, and they're they're huge. They play like I'll fairy check. worlds every year or often, and Pan is another good one there's a lot of the sort of tribal shamanic norse yeah. celtic druid rock funk fusion oh, yeah. uh, i mean yeah, i love all that, that stuff yeah there's um any band that'll let me play my irish bagpipes i'm a fan of yeah there's know, just this, sit in yeah the uh, yeah, the real like tribal world music it's crossed with the kind of metal world thing is i feel like it's really big now uh neurosis isn't really they're still very like guitar, bass, drum, vocals, bass, but they have, they incorporate sometimes uh, some kind of um, like tribal percussion. But uh, like lately there's like this band from Germany called High Lung. They're like this like super, uh, you know, Norse pagan, all sorts of bone instruments and shit like that. You know, it's pretty cool, but it's, yeah, that's like um, definitely it's, that's, Coming really popular um which i mean i think i think it's pretty cool uh i think i don't think you have to be a, a norse pagan to, to like it i think it's just it's just, a, it's just some good i was a uh, founding member of this uh, band that like that called the weirding way with this guy heron oshi who's big at burning man and we we parted ways after a year of fucking tons of hours you know when you spend like tons of hours in a band developing oh, yeah. the music and stuff and by the end of the day he just like so many members had to keep leaving that band because of <clears throat> creative differences but yeah <laughs> i i owed the the url for weirdingway.com the weirdingway so we had a huge difference of opinion that led to me like you know 
uh it's like it's money man like you know oh, yeah. if you make it's... you make you make agreements <laughs> and and someone says it's so complicated yeah. like for example one of the issues was we started the you know when you you start a project it's actually dangerous to, it's sort of risky to talk about this stuff because like you know, there's always legal things that can happen oh yeah but like if if i don't let you do what i tell you i'm gonna do but you still want me to do what you want me to do that's a problem right because there's no longevity there but you still need me but i have some of the power in the situation I and mean, you're not willing to give an inch what do you do that's actually yeah. a creative difference i'm like i want you to do what i'm what you've been doing but I'm not going to let you do what I told you you could do, but you own the domain name. Yeah, Where do you go? That's yeah. a creative difference. That's not even a, a made up creative. Oh, creative differences. No, yeah. that's a creative difference that you can't get around. Right. So what I did do is after my year ran up on the domain name, I let it go. Yeah. And then a couple years later, I found out he didn't grab it. And he also had some of my stolen instruments at his house, like a cajon and stuff like that. So I was like, fuck this guy. And I rebought it because he hadn't bothered to spend 20 bucks to buy it in all that time. Wow. Dude, and then dude. his band had a big concert release and they've they're, like, they're going to be playing fairy worlds and all these festivals across the States and burning man. They play burning man every year and do fire spinning. I do fire spinning. And yeah. it's just, but it's just like, you know, it sucks so much when, when you get burned like that after spending like, three hours oh, yeah. three times a night in a project it's such gotta, a yeah because that's your whole you evening you, three nights a week for, you, you gotta, for like you gotta knock them off the, the, the pedestal and uh have, you recreate your own i'll help you and uh you know create you gotta you gotta create some underground buzz first and then you know you'll just you'll just overtake him i have no it. interest in that yeah i'm too old yeah. for that shit now no yeah <laughs> The scene but, uh, is exhausting, you know, like the music yeah. scene. Um, I don't know. I, I think like, you know, I can, the great thing about playing a bunch of instruments is all you need is like, you know, I can buy a new Neumann and record it. Like I have tracks out there that's just a single track done in two hours of me playing seven instruments and it works really well. So it's like, and then you get good enough that other professionals who, who don't, mess around will work with you right and once that happens yeah. then it's like now when i if i if i book a show i just call all these other professional friends of mine we split up the money and we go kick ass for a couple thousand yeah. people and that's, that's really that's that's where you want to be if you can get there um and you can get there the great thing is by just playing a lot just it's a skill i i don't believe in talent at all i started playing music at 25 24 it's fucking skill. You're, you're learning bass. Like, oh, yeah. you, you know what I'm talking about. Like there's no talent in who, in playing the bass. There's skill. Yeah. There's how much time did you practice rigorously playing it? And that's fucking it. Absolutely. Yeah. And that, that's how it's like with, uh, I mean, a lot of the bands I, me and my, 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 uh, my one close friend would go see uh, a lot of these, you know, metal hardcore bands. I mean, they're, they're, uh, they're just people that want to, you know, they just want to play music and, um, you know, we just see them at real small venues and, you know, they'll put out music you can buy and all that, but it's not, uh, you know, some of them might, might get a attraction and get like a buzz going, but I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, then uh, like the majority of the, of the, a lot of the local bands and stuff, you know, they don't, they, 
and even just the you know some of the, the smaller touring bands um you know they don't they have to have other jobs and stuff even like this in within like the metal and hardcore kind of scene um even like you know moderate kind of size bands that sell a lot uh you know within the within the genre sell a lot of records and play a lot of shows I and mean, a lot of the, a lot of those guys still can't afford to have that be their primary career you know it's but um and i i think there's there's like a sense that you know like like you said there's there's not a lot of corrupting outside influence i guess when it's at that level you know i mean they you know they're not you won't be able to live off it but you're you're gonna you're being able to do with the music you know what you want and and you know how you can and get your enjoyment out of it and you know you don't have this this sort of extra burden i guess that comes with when you become you know more successful um and, and it's not saying you know uh, there's uh, you know a lot of them if they got the opportunity to, to to break out they definitely would but um you know, there, there is definitely a sort of, of positive kind of intimacy when it's at that, that smaller level, um, for the bands and, you know, and the people that, you know, like myself that go to see him and all that. But obviously now, unfortunately it's, you know, it's, it's not, I mean, the bands are still putting out music, even, even smaller bands like on Bandcamp and stuff. And you can kind of, you can kind of support some of these smaller bands with the, you know, purchases and, and stuff like that. But, you know, there's a, it probably unfortunately won't be any shows. I mean, I'm guessing until like 2022. So. Man, no, it's, it's so, it's so scary. Yeah. And like, yeah. if I, if like, I'm used to jamming, like playing with other people for 20, 30, 48 hours a week. Um, and to not have that in my life all of a sudden is, <sighs> it's oh yeah fucking hard um it's so hard though some friends in town just did a concert uh last night i didn't go though because i'm i'm up at like you know really early these days which is which is good for my health um and so by the evening i'm like ready for bed by nine um uh, yeah something wrong with that. i i've got to get on the opposite end of that i go way too late but yeah well, i mean yeah, you take it as it yeah. comes, right? During lockdown, like it doesn't exactly. really matter so much. Though, you know, it's crazy how how talking about developing in music is such a metaphor for spirituality as well, because of the regularity of practice is something that, ever since I joked about it earlier, now I'm realizing is so important. Like, so you haven't actually begun practicing any daily ritual work, right? No. Yeah. So not, not what? Yet I haven't whether you do like OTO or golden dawn or whatever you do um what would be really interesting is i haven't had a chance yet to talk to anyone on this podcast who hasn't done any magic like that um we i i really hope you decide to start practicing some rituals every day because i would love to hear and see live on this podcast <laughs> the way that that affects you from now to say like three months or six months from now Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like that would be amazing. And I'm sure people would be fascinated to hear about your experiences of it. Like 
the crucial thing is you've got to have a ritual diary where you where you mark down your stuff and it can be very hard to start doing ritual work just to take the time out of your day but even if you start doing like the the pentagram rituals and the middle pillar like not to mention like the just preparatory relaxation and and a bit of meditation one which is where you focus on a single point do you know meditation one because the meditations are really what the golden dawn was based on before there was all these rituals developed and meditation one essentially all you're going to do is like so here's the deal so you're going to sit down imagine you're only taking five minutes because you're going to do some other rituals you're just taking five minutes mm. max right and here we're going to get into a bit of franz barden i don't know if you're familiar with him but he really goes into the details and nuance of of these meditations in a way that's disconnected from the golden dawn but clearly interrelated and so he would say stop sit there relax breathe you know if you can do fourfold breath that's great you know exhale from your lungs hold your breath out for four inhale for four hold it for four exhale for four and while you're doing that focus on a single point in space mm-hmm. and as soon as you have a, another thought rather than fight it off let it just flow through and one of the ways I like to encourage people to get into this so that they don't get discouraged is rather than struggling to maintain your focus on a single point in space, which is what the Golden Dawn Meditation One has you do. And Franz Barden says, if you lose that, bring your attention back to it. Don't try chastise yourself. But I've noticed that there's a strength in letting your mind follow that. So you slip into single pointedness meditation. And then when another thought comes in, instead of trying to maintain pointedness meditation before moving into mindfulness meditation where you would follow this thought, just right away, follow that thought, follow it to its logical conclusion. And when you reach that conclusion, naturally let your focus come back to the point. And that creates a sort of process. It's very similar to the movement of the serpent up the tree of life and the lightning flash yeah. down below. You're creating this sort of flow of the Kundalini in yourself by focusing on that point and maintaining mindlessness and then if a thought comes in, rather than fight it off or let it flow through you, follow its ass all the way to its conclusion, then come back to the point. And after you've done that for a few minutes, then think about nature. Think about the glory and the beauty of nature and the presence of the divine in nature, which in Kabbalah is called the Shekinah, which is the presence of Kether in Malkut, right? And that is the feminine presence of God, mm-hmm. which is in the world, as opposed to the masculine presence above. because Really, masculine and feminine is the wrong words for all this polarities, right? It's more, Barden would call it electric and magnetic. I'm not sure if that's scientifically accurate, but uh, let's go with it. It's a, we're, we're in pseudoscience land anyway, that's a fact. And as much as I love to talk about DNA and stuff like that, I don't actually think that we're qualified to talk about DNA. Like scientists can talk about DNA and they might understand what we're talking about once science and mysticism develop a bit further. And we're seeing Mm -hmm. that happen. Like we're going to probably look, see dark matter this year. Like that's probably going to happen in the next year. And once that happens, like, you know, the aliens will land and the reptilians and all the pedophiles will be killed and justice will reign on the earth and Christ will come down and the sword will be coming out of Jesus's mouth and the the red dragon will be crushed and stomped underfoot. All these things are going to happen physically in our lifetimes right so oh, yeah so oh, that's that's what i'm looking forward to and then our pineal glands will expand dmt will be legalized and we will all rise on mushroom clouds of of grooviness that's the secret because music is all about groove 
and whatever your spiritual tradition is, it's all about groove. You want to follow the groove, right? So in Thelema, there's a groove. In Golden Dawn, there's a groove. And you want to follow that groove. And if you do, it doesn't really matter what song you're playing, right? Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. um, You know, I I feel like sometimes the, the heavy music, it's, you know, it's emotionally, it's a lot of times covers very negative emotions so I, I think sometimes you know that it gets a bad rap uh in that vein and people might not you know look at it as a in in the you know a spiritual aspect i mean i, I don't see it that way but you know i feel like that's sometimes the misconception in that aspect you know it's like a hate you know it's like a yates's you know um you know, he's like, uh, what was that one poem where it's the, uh, found, find the Christian love insufficient, you know, he's like, I gotta, gotta get on, I gotta get on that hate or whatever. Yates, W.B. Yates talked about Christian love being su- insufficient and you have to hate? No, well, no, I'm, I'm, uh, that's, uh, that's a very bad description of it, but, um, no. No, was, I, um, I think it's a good description. It rings a bell, actually. <laughs> I think I know what you're talking about. Can can you yeah, look it up while I take a, a, a PP break? Yeah, I'll look it. I'll look it up. Yeah. <laughs> to quote Davy five hundred four, the bassist from Italy, who everyone should watch. I need to go tend to my PP. You are broken now, but faith can heal you. Let me lay my holy hands upon you. Jesus oh, Christ, yeah. <laughs> why don't you come save my life now? Yeah, you gotta love that part in the bridge where he's I, like, I that, that where he's like, me and Jesus both want to rape you. <laughs> you know, yeah, what? Yeah. I used to mash that song up, bro. That, that, bro, it's in. You can play it in D major. Choices always yeah. were. A, so and then you can and then during the chorus we'd be like, you know, we'd go from that into like, cause I'm free, free falling. You know, oh and go back and forth between opiate, yeah. right? Because I'm free, free, fun. free, basic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then back to two. Uh, I love Tom Petty, so that I fucking a right. I think that would be. I think that's a great. Yeah, uh, that's a great combination. I think that that should Tom be encouraged. <laughs> yeah, Tom Petty tool. Yeah, or you know, a fusion of of. Uh, tool songs into into Tom Petty. That's that's some that's some good work there. I think in Belfast at at Lavery's bunker once, my me and my band we did a, a whole string of songs that started off with um, I think it started with with free falling into opiate by Tool into uh, H by <laughs> Tool from Anima um, and then yeah. into Sober uh, at the end. And uh, yeah, you can really that, string all that, that all that impressive. open D. It's all that open D stuff, right? It, it yeah. sort of it sort of works out. Yeah, yeah. Did you um, did you see him on the uh, the um, the Fear Inoculum tour? It it, they, it uh, ended before it started. I was in California and I was somewhat near Sacramento where the gig was, but it was a festival gig and I I wasn't up for a full day of it, like you know, of oh, all those yeah. shows. I'm and, not a festival fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I like once you've been at a festival as a musician, I all the musicians I know 
like we don't attend festivals we we like playing festivals but you can't go there with that like they treat you so well when you have the special bracelet like they literally treat you like you're a god oh, yeah. and the idea yeah. of going there as just another puncher is so brutal yeah, it's like the last festival i went to paid me six grand and gave me like everyone thought i was a golden god how can I pay $200, sit on a sweaty bus with people for five hours and then sleep in a tent? I just don't know if I could do yeah, that. Exactly. It's, it, we're spoiled, uh, but we, you know, musicians deserve to get spoiled because they, most of it's thankless work where with your families telling you, you wasted your life. I mean, let's face it. It even doesn't yeah, matter if I mean, you make they're, much they're, money as a musician, your family still thinks you're just a musician, right? Like, yeah. no there's this mid-level exactly, where yeah. you can make five to eight grand a month and i do and it's great and they're like right right <laughs> have you opened for anyone yeah, we know it's, yeah it's, lots of people they're like well when will you headline it's like come on there's you know that's what i liked about ireland he, there's he, this he, whole he, professional he, level of musicians who just make a living you know they make five grand a month and you can do that you don't need to become the next big thing especially if you don't want to make that kind of music right like Sure. Yeah. I love I love how you remind me by Nickelback, but you couldn't pay me enough to be Nickelback. You know? Exactly. Like, well that, that that's that's kind of how it is at the uh to a degree with um you know some of the some of the bands that uh that you know that I was talking about. Um although I don't think they can really live off it completely though. But like if they can you know, that that's I mean like if they can do that, you know, just be just be a professional musician, um, like in Ireland. I mean, I, 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 yeah, I say yeah. That's in Ireland, they have a gig economy where you can, in Ireland, like I would go jam at sessions two, three times a night. So for a two hour session, two, three times a night. So the leaders of that session would get 50 bucks each, 50 euros each. And if you did that once or twice a night, I mean, that's four or five, 600 euros a week. Yeah. And, and rent would be 300 a month. So that's, that's something that all the little villages and towns sort of support. And it's because they like their musicians, they like their sing songs and that sort of shit. So, yeah. I, I think that's a, that's a good thing that got going then, I think. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I would sit outside a grocery store for two hours and make like $75 in, in busking tips. Like yeah. in Vancouver, you could busk all day in Vancouver and you would maybe make $5 and people would be like, I'm, I would give you money, but you're basically a beggar who's trying to trick me into giving you money because by playing music, so you're worse than a beggar. So here's a penny, but we don't have pennies wow. anymore. So now you get nothing. Yeah. They'd rather give money to beggars. If you have like a heroin needle in your arm and you ask for money, someone will be like, here's five bucks, go, go get high. If you've got wow. a guitar and you're singing Bob Marley, it's like, you fucking waste of life. Yeah, we have That's laws terrible. against it preventing busking. We don't allow it. I mean, they call, wow. us, they call us No Fun Coover for a reason. That's the nickname That's for really Vancouver strange. is No Fun Coover. Yeah. Dude, when people in Vancouver were told that they need to be like, you know, three meters apart from each other, Everyone was like, wait, you want us to ignore each other more and be even farther distanced? It's like, yes, wow. we're, they, we were like, yeah, we got it. We know it. And they're like, you can still associate with two other bubbles of people. They're like, no, no, I didn't hear that. No bubbles, no bubbles, just my own bubble. Just sitting here at home, you know, watching Netflix, having a wank. That's it. That's all they want. <laughs> you know, using pesto as lubricant. Sounds like there's... A <laughs>
<laughs> there's an element of uh, coldness, you know, to the to, to the to the city. That's Vancouver, baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. kind of slightly different than Philadelphia's uh, anger, but I don't know. Maybe it's it's hard, you know. I can't see. That's can't what say I what's... love about America and Americans. You guys are like, you know. I remember when I was seventeen, one or eighteen, one of my first few trips to LA. And we were driving, I think I was with Jeff Contreras, who I had on the podcast, and this is like late 90s. And we're just in the car, the, the Chinese theater's right there, and some big black dude in SUV drives by us, and he just leans out the window and yells, he's like, fucking great day in LA, man, yeah! And we're just like, it is a great day in LA. Fucking yeah. Oh my God, that man knows what's up. Like, you know, it's just this infectious, yeah. let's go for it. You guys have that in America. And you're fighting this crazy, crazy civil war right now against probably what's really like the global technocracy, the IMF, oh, yeah. aliens and China and who knows what. I, I really, the one war I think you're not fighting is a war between the right and the left. I think you're fighting a battle for the soul of the world against like these empty hollow people who just want to control us all like the, as soon as you look at the fact that all these cor mega corporations and amazon are making all this money and every local person's business shit, like that shit with like the woman's restaurant closed down but the film industry with all their food restaurant set up next to yeah. it that's insane yeah. that's insane it is no yeah well that's like the you know our, our mayor here is like uh yeah, like um, the the guy that owns the this the kickboxing place that uh, me and my sister go to, um, and we can. Oh shit, man! You do uh, martial arts too, hey? Yeah, yeah. I guess that is technically a martial you're, art. You're yeah. not just a pretty uh, haircut. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's like you know, like the there are a lot of um, you know uh, gym type places that were you know petitioned the mayor and all that and. Uh, and well, not just them, and then restaurants and all that. And then I, I mean, obviously, I understand that that the the in the pandemic there needs to be a you know some controls with that. Um, but like I said, with the, with the no, you know, there's no there's nothing to, to to help them when they force them to close down. His like his response. This is Mayor Kenny was like, "Well, we got to shut everyone down, and some businesses are are just gonna they're, they're just gonna have to close. You know, they might close permanently. Just kind of offhanded." And it's like that's like people's livelihoods. It's just like, uh, you know, it's just like some people might lose your business, and it's like cancel it's culture has come know? for humanity. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like so. It's so ridiculous. Yeah, um, that like there's just yeah. This it. It's not like there's an effective plan. You know, like okay, let's let's. Dude, you guys you know, are we'll such have to a close mess. Your businesses down. Yeah. You guys are such a mess. Oh my god. I know, but um. I mean, I'm glad that uh, you've you've given us this this poetic uh, sig battle significance, though. I mean, that kind of maybe we need that to kind of. Uh, I think America. Us, you know? I mean, America seems to be divided between people who think they're the best thing since sliced bread, which you're not. Sorry, sorry to burst your bubble. I mean, oh, you're like right. <laughs> your your shit in education literacy. <laughs> I mean, if you break your arm, you go bankrupt. Um, exactly. As much as I love to rag on my home country of Canada, because, but that's because I intimately know what's wrong with it, like on a relationship level. It's like, I can yeah. say that about her. You can't say that about her, you know? Exactly. But like, you guys, 
just need to get like get get your medical care sorted out like it shouldn't be like us but it could be better you could do everything that the rest of the world does better oh, yeah. than that. you could <laughs> but you're not right yeah you're yeah. like you're like you know the the fat person with a pretty face it's like you could be hot you're just fucking lazy unless you have yeah, like, I mean, diseases and you have no choice yeah i know, you know, I know i'm i know i'm i'm talking that sort of shit that gets you canceled but that's that's all i do you, you well, guys yeah, are fighting I mean, a battle for the soul of the world because we, the rest of the world still looks up to you to what we could all be and we see the best in america and what it could all be i mean a lot of the world doesn't i mean a lot of the world doesn't but anyone can change right like we can it's just shit oh, yeah i mean you're you're in a fight you're in a fight and and that fight you you should remember what's great about like your country like seriously the second world war would have gone way different without america and you know this you know like the socialism and nazism which is the same thing they're the same thing um <laughs> It was it was crushed by you guys saying no, like fuck no, we're not gonna let this take over the world, and uh, it's happening again, but it's happening in a, in a technocratic world. Oh yeah, that's what yeah, I see. Definitely. Like you know, um, shit. I don't know. Uh, it's it, you. You guys are the ones suffering a lot. Um, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, I uh, I mean, I definitely think you know we could. If if people collectively wanted to, uh, you know, we 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 could do uh, so many things better. I think. Um, I mean, I'm I'm hoping like with the the uh, you know people's medical coverage and you know even just the starting with those things, you know, people. I, I feel like there's kind of a push to to make that better. Um, that's you know that's been that's been gaining traction, but. I mean, you know, it's like, it's hard because, you know, even um, any element to kind of make it a little more universal, um, you know, people, people will say it's social, you know, the right wing people will say it's socialism. So it kind of gets, and that's kind of ingrained in people's kind of upbringing that even though it's not, doesn't really make any sense, but it, it's people have that knee jerk reaction. They'll equate that with, you know, they'll say, oh, you know, more affordable health care, they'll, they'll kind of Im immediately kind of think, you know, that's, that's the communism. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, I think people are getting, are getting away from that now, but, um, and, and not to say that the, uh, you know, the Democratic Party and which and I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of, and the, even though I voted for um, most of their, the people and the for for most of the elections, <laughs> but um, America, America. I don't agree with any of these people, but I voted for most yeah, of them. Well, that's well, like Canada, right? We do that yeah, too. Right, like, I, just, I didn't like the idea of not voting, but um, I mean, I'm not. I think Democratic Party is. I think they're is trash. I think they're they're. Just, I mean, they're 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 issues that they're just so corrupt and um, just like on every level, like even like the our mayor, the, the local level. But like, you know, the right wing, um, yeah, it's like ingrained in, you know, in us, uh, if there's any sort of change in that level, it's like, oh, it's, it's, it's China, you know, you can't do that. You can't have, you know, you can't have universal health care, it's going to, the country's going to collapse. So, 
Yeah, you know, it's it's psychologically, I think. I think that's a big component too, the psychology of of us and our our education, all that, you know, it's it's definitely uh it's made a lot of things very difficult and getting getting uh getting stuff done. But I mean I think it, like in that regard, I think people, especially lately with you know, with the, the COVID and all that, I think people are less likely to think that. Um I think it's there's more universal sentiment here that people are like you know we we need to we need to improve our health care and, and make it so like you said if you don't break your arm you're you know you're 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 all your savings are basically emptied you know and stuff like that so yeah. i'm hoping that that will kind of get some traction and in, in that regard but yeah it's you know it's interesting to get a uh an outside perspective you're welcome Oh, yeah. Free advice from Canada from someone who would rather not be a Canadian. I mean, yeah, I mean, well, it's compl it's complicated though, right? Like, see, yeah, I've yeah, I've suffered yeah. specifically at the Canadians. Like, I I I suffer. I got doxxed. I had a home invasion. I got mass robbed. Um, like so, like the Canadian government failed me there. Shit. Whereas the uh, American yeah. government wouldn't have failed me in that exact situation. Yeah. So that is a unique experience that not many people have suffered through. Absolutely. But like that yeah. is in a sense sort of hitting the cracks, falling through the cracks. And yeah, does that make me sort of like, what's the point in me building up a life and a home and resources and a library and everything? What's the point in me building everything I want for my life if I live in a place where anyone's allowed to come and do that without any fear of any repercussions and if i even punch them i'm going the one going to jail yeah, in uh, my own home like that makes you sort of fuck what do you do with that right yeah so of exactly. course i'm so of course america fascinates me because i'm like wait you could just pull out a gun and shoot that person before <laughs> they rape you like seriously and in, the, in america you're like fucking right i would fucking shoot that person like well Maybe that's well, it, it does it does depend like what what state you're in and all that the, the degree of how much leeway you'd have in that but no I, I get what you're saying you know that that is that is you know pretty it's when you, you have know, people it, like, actually invade your home trust me it becomes a very visceral thing you're like oh, i yeah. want a gun to shoot these people right the fuck now because yeah, and then you, they all that they're only here to hurt me and take exactly what I have. yeah there's no middle ground there's no black and white they're just here to fuck me up absolutely yeah and, and that it, is it, fucking horrific and there's nothing you can do about it here there's nothing you can, yeah unless the police happen to be there standing by your door and catch them in the act you're fucked <laughs> game over and that's terrific that is, so you guys have yeah. you guys have a, a different system when it comes to that stuff and that's something that you got to fight for. I think you guys really got to fight for that and put aside the partisan bullshit as well. Like, you oh, know, yeah. you have enough other countries wanting your downfall. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Like yeah. Most of the world sort of would like to see America fail. If not, e even the countries that like America and want to be just like the Kardashians, they're still <laughs> like, oh, if it, if it keeps going great, if it burns, that's still a good show, right? So, like, exactly, if you guys yeah. don't take ownership of your own country now, it might already be too late, but maybe not. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Fuck, uh, what the hell do I know? I'm just one of your colonies. <laughs> well, you know, the, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, I think the whole, the, the whole left, right thing is like a theater. I mean, I think it's, it's just, 
I mean, here's well, here it's not. It's it's like I, you know the the American left and right is not like the European left and right. But I mean, regardless, it's you know I think it's just a, it's just like a charade. I think it's 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 just you know not to sound like a you know a you know someone off the wall, but I mean I, it's it's definitely just about you know control of power. I mean it's I I think just the fact that people still are like will align themselves with like a party and make that part of their identity is like, I just, I always thought that was strange, but I just thought that's really, really weird. Um, And that's part of, you know, that's, that's like the kind of, you know, eternal game that, that is, is, you know, is is being played. So I definitely think people just need to get, get beyond that, you know, for our own sake, like you said. Do ritual (laughs) magic, unplug from the matrix, brother. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope you start I, I, um, a ritual practice. You know, I really do. I'd love to touch base with you in three or six months, and you've done a magical diary and been doing some ritual work, and and uh, that would be really cool. I mean, I think you're the first yeah, non-practitioner well, I've talked with on my podcast, actually. And I always wanted oh, to talk yeah. with a non-practitioner because <laughs> you don't have a daily ritual practice, right? No, not at the moment. No, I'm sure. Uh, I feel like probably maybe some of your listeners are. Uh, or like, what's this, what's this, what the hell is this dude talking about? It doesn't know Dude, anything, my listeners right? think that when it's just me talking. Really? <laughs> I hope so. I yeah, hope people but, listen um, to me and they're just like, what's this dude talking about? I don't know, but I'm going to keep listening. Like, yeah. Be great. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I, was, I was having some difficulty like in like, getting an altar going. I didn't really know, like I was, you know, I didn't really know how to like best make a space for that and like what to what to get oh like, dude that's where you can really have fun with it because it doesn't actually matter what you do so much now that said i could talk for hours on what you should do but it doesn't really <laughs> matter because they actually work like i've always known they could work psychically growing up as a child practicing all this stuff then you know doing all the different things i've done in in orders and training and all that but but most importantly like when you take large doses of psilocybin or or psychedelics you can and engage with them entheogenically in ritual you can see physically with your eyes what's going on and they yeah. are they are drawing energies that i'm sure we are going to consider scientifically one day soon and we definitely should because they create these these funnels these vortexes of energy that allows to either communicate or direct forces within nature through spirit. And I mean, this is a technology that you should, you know, how can you turn your nose at it? I mean, it's inundated pop culture with the secret. I mean, people think they can just imagine and want something in their minds and it'll come to them. It doesn't work that way as, as serious magicians know, but that is the first step. I mean, there is more to that and you can build up, these thought forms or egregores and work with spirits that exist to the extent that they will make changes in your life. I mean, the amount of rituals I know, every ritual I do makes a drastic change in my life. The biggest problem usually is, is in me doing the wrong ritual for the wrong thing. You know, like that's a bigger problem than thinking they might not work. The biggest problem is that they do work and you got to be careful with how you do it. Like you want to do it how many people talk about doing a tarot spread before doing a ritual to see if they should do that ritual or some or tweak it and do something else 
that's a huge problem. And I've caused huge problems in my life the few times that I might have been a little too loosey-goosey. Like, yeah. you know, because I was doing a ritual someone else directed. They weren't leaving time for something. I'm like, I don't know about this. I should have known better. And I'm like, oh, fuck it. Let's roll the dice. And then you're like, oh, snap. That sucks. Because you yeah. can see the correlation and the causation. And you feel it. You feel it in your in your sphere. You're just like, you know that, that you, you did that. And you're like, well aren't i a clever bear yeah yeah i i uh, always thought the the idea of eager gores was a uh, was really fascinating it's a unique word yeah. it actually even it if is. you look it up online it, it it's the only word that i know of that directs you back to the golden dawn it's literally a unique word specifically and exclusively out of coming from the golden dawn and and it's entered into uh modern a culture in a in a massive way which is cool there's books written called that is cool I, I i didn't know that, that was its its original origin you um, know that is that is really cool when i was lecturing at pantheacon last february and got to hang out with all those great people like chick and tabby cicero and see lon again and just all these other celebrities of the occult world like what was really great about it was as i was preparing that lecture it became really clear to me how much not just the golden dawn but the entire occult milieu at that time has influenced all so much in our modern world today like if you really look at the details i was looking at the strains of of anglican clergy that tony fuller was talking about in his phd dissertation and all these other things from alistair crowley and see the way that influenced pop culture and music and like then you look at the tv shows we have it's like all of this is some version of wicca which is based on the Golden Dawn or some other form of magic, which is probably using rituals based on the Golden Dawn. Like, yeah. you know, and it's just fucking overwhelming. You're like, holy shit, is like is like 40% of pop culture based on the Golden Dawn? And it's like, I would have <laughs> always yeah. said no, but now you have people like Duncan yeah. Trussell talking about it, the Golden Dawn and naming it on Joe Rogan, the number one watch news thing in the world or whatever you want to fucking he's a weird ass phenomenon it is an experience really he's like yo i'm gonna be myself and it's an experience and it seemed to work so a bunch of other people are like yo maybe we just need to be ourselves and like cut the shit and stop editing yeah, stuff uh, into like proper formats that don't mean shit i don't know i was playing this podcast i showed it to some millennials versus some gen z and the millennials thought it needed editing the Gen Z were like, no, this is this. I believe what he's saying because there's no editing. And I was like, that's yeah. crazy. Cause I was raised in the world of the nineties where it's like make everything shiny and, and much music MTV style and clip and, you know, fill in every drum fill with like the best drum, take the, every, the best kick drum and put it into all the kick drum slots and, you know, oh, do yeah. that. But now people will be like, that sounds too produced and electronic. So you have the people that like only listen to music with auto tuning. And then you have the people who are like, if it sounds like you might've added any auto tuning, you're shit. And I don't want to listen to you. And <laughs> that's fascinating time to be. Uh, it is. Yeah. An, an artist and a creative person, but also therefore I think there's no barriers like creative people are spiritual people. Everyone's spiritual. The biggest problem in the Roman Catholic Church and a lot of mainstream religions, they've lost mysticism. They've lost the ability to communicate transformative spirituality through these ossified religious structures. And once we can get past that, we actually have a real chance to grow. So fingers crossed for aliens. Oh, yeah. right? 
I, I, I definitely think, you know, especially, especially, yeah, musically inclined people, definitely. But I mean, anyone, like you said, and yeah, I think that's a good, a good observation. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'll, um, I'll, I'll take all that into consideration too with the, uh, with the ritual space and all that. I was just like, I, you know, I was like, well, should I get a separate table? You know, I was like, uh, you know, when you're for with the first one you made, like, what did you, uh, yeah, I actually made my first alt. Okay, the first, no, that's not true. I actually just found the photos. Oh my God, do you want to see them? Holy shit, sure. I can do this. Okay, we're going to fucking do it. One sec. Motherfucker. I also found Polaroids from the 90s of me wearing blackface. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm not joking. I, I'm That's joking. Right. I was an I was an asimite in uh, in Vampire the Masquerade. You remember played role playing games? Yeah. Yeah. So I was a I was an asimite assassin. That's like an yeah, assassin that, character. That, that looks pretty. That looks pretty dope, though. You know. So this is the end game. I haven't shown that much, but there's a full Golden Dawn temple that I was a part of, and nice. uh, you know. Burr. Mm. oh yeah you uh, you posted a lot of them too right in the uh oh i i'm in so much trouble i'm in so much trouble oh why because that's it's it's not supposed to be displayed publicly who cares who cares (laughs) do i look like i care yeah yeah what was who who got mad at you like all i can tell all i can tell you is like you know i loved I love the people that I, uh, you know, I love my Golden Dawn life and, and everything I went through in those times. Here's my, this is one of my funnest altars. This was my teenage altar to Yoda. <laughs> That's awesome. I met him in a swamp down yeah. in Dagobah where it bubbles all the time like a giant carbonated uh. soda. Y-O-D-A, Yoda. It, uh, we had the, that, the two big candles in the back? Um, the black candles? Yeah, okay, yeah, there's can- and, I, I and we, were that actually. altar lasted until the curtains above it caught fire and went up one night during a Dungeons <laughs> wow. & Dragons game. That happened. Yeah, I've only burned, burned down a few temples. Um, Edward from the Esoteriner podcast knows what I'm talking about. Um, me and some other people, like, well, no, that's it. We, we've already covered that. It's been talked about. Okay, so this was my first altar. I didn't build it myself. I had just bought, um, I had just bought DJ Conway's book Celtic Magic and read it home on the drive from the interior. And I brought a book of shadows and I set up everything as it was in the pictures for yeah. for the um, the book. And I was like, okay, now I'm clearly a druid. I am now a druid. This is the case. And you can see the Merlin Bam. book off in the corner. And I was like, I just, I had an epiphany watching a forest fire and almost getting evacuated in the Okanagan in 94. And oh, I was wow. like, clearly I am. Then I was, I woke up the next morning and all in my tent. And I was like, the phrase in my mind was clear as day. I was meant to be an occult. I didn't know the word occultist. And I was, 13 so i was like i'm meant to be an occult and, and it's sort of adorable and that i was adorable, it's yeah. sort of adorable right and i mean yeah. I, I i didn't have like you know i was i was sort of a gothy 
loner loner kid who who had his like geek friends but that was it right um you know the yeah yeah you know, the long black hair and chubby and all that shit but then so i didn't know how to practice magic i was just um trying to take what i'd learned in transcendental meditation and apply it to this celtic druidic framework world but then i decided to build an actual altar my dad's a carpenter so i grew up working with wood and so he helped me uh, he let me build one in his shop um, he would always try and help me more than I needed help because he'd be like, like, let's get this kid out of there. He wasn't really a dad. He wasn't involved in my life. You know, if I like needed yeah. to build a wall in my home, it's like, yo, you want to come build a wall with me in my home? He'd come <laughs> over and like, if I went to the bathroom, he'd get as much done as possible so he could get out of it. He wasn't big on spending quality oh, no. time. Like we're talking McDonald's drive through for my birthday. That was the kind of dad he was. Oh um, man. Yeah um and like you just get get this over with and so he helped me build an altar though like he still helped me do things i really want to like yeah. this, this bookshelf here i i built this bookshelf and he didn't help me much at all with that um and it's a huge bookshelf space yeah it's it's so That's like nice. and the and the the shelves aren't actually as thick as they seem if you build a shelf just you can take two two by fours and and uh, drilled divots so I drilled divots in the sides and then I used little pieces of wood that with uh, wood glue to connect two pieces of two bar for making the illusion of a solid big plank and then you take another strip of wood and you nail it to the front so it looks like the whole shelf yeah. is, is twice as thick as it actually is then you distress it stain it and all <laughs> that shit so we built a he did for his credit actually help me achieve what I wanted to achieve during my younger years so at once I was an adult it was like music and spirituality get the fuck out of here yeah. like i have want nothing to do with you um i mean he did try but it was mostly his wife so here is the altar yeah. i built with him and this is where i did a lot of my main uh wicca work in the early years so that's a lot more you can, that more it looks more like someone who actually knows what they're doing right and is focused yeah. on practical work and that's a painting my mom's friend made for her back in the 60s or 70s and i loved it so i just sort of stole it one night and used it and i had a little femo pentagram you can see the femo pentagram in the middle and there's can, my yeah. my bag with my futhark runes because before i ever learned tarot i was using futhark for divination and then my oh yeah I love, I, love the rune stuff. yeah. I love the runes in the early days then my athame and the incense thing and the candles and this was the altar setup for the night in which i did a a, a full moon ritual rising on the plains to as high as I could go and beyond and asked for like my true name and to use as like my Wiccan name, but then the numbers worked out. So my mom turned it into my real name. And uh, I went through a bunch of name changes as a, as a child because she was really into that stuff. Yeah, because your uh, your real name is uh, is very very Irish, right? Yeah. So, well, yeah, it wasn't originally, but I had no choice in that, so <laughs> you got to roll with the punches. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So then then my altar developed as I started uh, trying sort of had growing pains beyond Wicca, and I started to get beyond uh, what 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 Scott Cunningham and the books available to me were teaching, and. Uh, so here I'm still working with the, I got the book. I've got my first tarot deck, which I'd been given at Christmas, which was the Egyptian tarot. First tarot deck I bought nice. for myself that I liked was the Aleister Crowley one, of course. Um, but this was yeah, a Egyptian a cool one, tarot. Yeah. yeah, the Aleister Crowley art 
one is amazing. I mean, it's just, it's if he, I'm so choked that he changed the Kabbalistic correspondences for the star card because that's the Aquarius card as well. And it's just like, don't fuck with my sign, bitch. You're fucking <laughs> yeah. with you're fucking with Kabbalah. You're fucking with, you're trying to make it it's special. I, I'm like as much as you should make ritual work your own. Don't fuck with the tradition because then it's hard for us to communicate with each other and work together about with what we're doing. So I think that's yeah. what you don't have much else going on I like, there. You I have, like that. It's, it's very, uh, it's very solid. I like it. They, uh, yeah. That I've, I'm, I've upped my game from the, uh, the wood incense thing to a, to a tray of sand with a charcoal burning. And I've got like the two spirit candles for the golden dawn uh, style ritual magic. Cause I was doing Donald Michael Craig's modern, modern magic, but I still have the gold and the silver candles for the horned God and the, and the triple goddess. So this is a, nice. this is like a bipartisan, uh, yeah. getting into hermeticism, but also still being like a druid, witch. you know what I mean? And what you yeah, might you not know, I, see. I love the, uh, I love the horned God. Um, like just the whole, the whole, you know, form of, you know, of, uh, Cause it's like, it's kind of an amalgamation of a lot of the, the, the European horn deities, right? Like Pan and Pan and. You know, magic's just a bit more powerful when you're, there's a little bit of horniness involved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I think and in every regard, yeah. So um, what you, what most people won't notice unless you're from uh, Vancouver or Los Angeles or one of these other, uh, old Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn International cities that had temples, that flyer, that piece of paper on the middle of yeah. the Book of Shadows is actually a flyer for the Golden Dawn that I decided to call um, after finding it in a book in a bookstore. And so this was right not long before I called the Golden Dawn to get involved with them when I was about 15, 14 years old. And that's that's cool. That's very really old school. That's, that, huh? Well, I, li I like that, like the idea of like finding like a number in, in like a book and just like being, you know, just calling them up, you know, I mean, oh, it, it, when you, dude, when you, when you, that's message, how we like, got members. This is yeah. the secret for any magical order. You go to a bookstore and you just take 200 flyers and put them in every single occult book. This store will be pissed off as fuck with you. They will <laughs> not be impressed. They will hate it. They'll put up signs. It'll become a whole thing, but guess what you'll find? the awesomest members you could ever want to find yeah because those flyers keep falling out of the same people's laps over and over and then they're like eventually they're all like so we had to call them that's how we had an active temple with like 200 members eventually at its height you know not everyone was active yeah. all the time but like we were very busy and we had we had too much work on our plate but that's what you want you want too much work on your plate the last altar is after i was in uh, the Golden Dawn, there's a yellow candle for the air grade of Theoricus. And it's my most psychedelic altar because I at this at this fabric store I had found this altar cloth and for about a year during this these these grades I used this altar cloth and it's pretty trippy. And you can tell I was in the air grade because I have my completed earth pentacle wrapped in silk on the altar there. But here it is. That that's pretty that's cool. Okay. That's pretty yeah, cool, yeah. hey. Yeah. So my altar grew with me, of course. And uh, yeah, there's my earth pentacle and then the, the blah, blah, blah. I, I like the little... candle, the candle holders too. That's yeah. That's they, were, they were ones I'm sure I did. Oh, the little angels, little blue angels oh, uh, nice. holding the candles. Yeah. I'm sure I just stole that from my mom. She's like <laughs> such a hardcore new ager, right? 
she she had had all the treats and all the toys the great thing about growing up with a new age parents is like when you go to an occult bookstore they're just like you know it's open season like yeah i get whatever yeah. you want but uh event, eventually cool. i had to build my library by selling all my magic the gathering cards and making a stupid amount of money that's what really <laughs> really funded my early magical adventures just putting these photos away well i'm glad i got to share these it was really exciting oh yeah yeah thank you for me thank you for sharing them. these four early altar photos after that so the reason i don't have photos of altars after that is because i i went strict golden dawn and and that was that was that um yeah and now now when i set up altars they're incredibly riotous and uh completely based on on the, the working i'm doing i mean it's operation specific um, yeah you know but the the real fundamental thing you had to take away from this is is the effectiveness of altars i mean if you're going through a stage where your fucking life's a shambles just keeping at least keeping an altar space uh in your area is really uh is really healthy um a place where you can go and focus your mind and your attentions and create those egregores of energy in front of you yeah and you can really use anything as it's the base right like even if it's from like you know, hug an Ikea or whatever, or is it, you know, or should it be more? Yeah, man. No, uh, like, yeah. like dinner, those dinner coffee tables, like, uh, what tray tables for whatever works. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. But yeah. I appreciate you sharing them too. You know, uh, your personal ones. I, uh, well, it's cool to share them know, with cool someone who's here. just about to start on their ritual magic journey. Yeah, exactly. I heard, um, I like, uh, you know, cause I mean, I like, I, I have like, you know, I like to adorn my place with various shit and candles and skull things and all. I heard like, um, someone was like, oh, like you, you can't, you should never put like animal skulls anywhere near your, your thing. Is there any truth to that or, uh, and I've now, I don't know, man, I guess that's, they're like, oh, you know, you, I wouldn't listen to anyone telling you what you should and shouldn't do, especially when it comes to your spirituality. I mean, I'd be more interested in someone saying like, I put a skull candle or a skull on my altar. And then the next day I died. Now, if someone told you that <laughs> I'd be like, I would listen to that person. Cause they're probably a ghost. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, like don't stop listening. Like we, we all need to not listen to like, these theoreticians or armchair occultists. That's true, man. Um, yeah. I mean, it's your spiritual path. The reason I'm a fan of the Golden Dawn is because it's like the most comprehensive overall magical training. It's still missing a lot, but like it's the best comprehensive training. Like when, if you don't have it, you don't have it. Once you do have yeah. it, there's you literally don't need another book ever again yeah. you have so much work to do but more importantly you can work with a lot of other people now that's the same for most traditions so getting and mastering and learning any traditions like learning an instrument right once exactly, you play yeah. that instrument you can play with other people who know that instrument but moreover you speak a common language for someone who plays any instrument or sings or does anything musical and yeah. that's that's where it comes back to groove right exactly it's like yeah. i don't know what that guy is doing tapping that penny on the table in ireland but this is actually a musical art form over there some people like it most people hate it but there can still be groove someone could yeah. tap a penny well on that table and if they nail it at the right times in the right tune 
You know, then it's like, oh shit, yeah. he really emphasized the crescendo there. That, that I, that's I like that analogy. You know, that's I think that works. You know, when you, that's, um, that's why I like talking to musicians. Actually, <laughs> you definitely Seriously. you know, like, uh, um, yeah, we were we were because yeah, we were talking about the uh, which I did find that Yeats uh, that poem. Oh, you fucking too, found it. The, Thank God for the yeah, bathroom break in which I actually just poured a gin and tonic. Oh, that's all right. I, I, Full that's, disclosure. That's even better. Yeah. Um, this is not what I would call a, a happy hour episode, but I have been hard at work since 530 in the morning. So I'm allowed a, oh, a little, a little yeah. what the Irish would call a nippy sweetie at the end of the day. Hey, everybody needs a nippy sweeties, you know. I mean, <laughs> don't you love that expression? It's like yeah. it means like having a small glass of whiskey, essentially. Yeah, I love I love all folkish colloquialisms and stuff. You know, we don't. It's like, hey, Jim, Jim, Jimbo, Jimbo, would you? Will we pull in? Will we pull off the road up there for a wee nippy yeah. sweetie? Will we grab a nippy sweetie? It's like before we drive more for two hours in the rain and fog. Yeah, yeah just a wee a wee nippy sweetie. We won't have more than two or four. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I am um, with we, the sheep. My family standing on the side of the roads in Ireland and cows crossing all the time. It makes sense to be intoxicated. No, that's just logic. I love the I love the sheep. We my we actually went to we did a vacation in Ireland when I was like sixteen. My uh, my family uh, we were went to Dublin for like a week and then uh, or you know we were in Dalkey, the suburb you know immediately outside of Dublin. But then and we then we did the other week in Galway. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I love always where I lived. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. always was, was really fucking cool. awesome. Eh? Um, I mean, yeah, it, it was, uh, and he was, you know, it was, I mean, as you can, like, uh, as anyone would imagine, you know, the, the West Coast and the East Coast are, were different, um, but both really cool in their own, their own way. And uh, I mean, I've always, um, that's why I like the Yates and then his. Um, ah, fucking be know, honest his, now. The, East Coast is shite. Fucking East Coast is shite. The West is the best. Get uh, there and yeah, we'll do yeah. the rest. That's uh you too is from the East Coast though, right? Yeah. From near Dublin. <laughs> yeah. My mom I, actually I, spent I, a lot of time with Bono. Um, oh yeah. Yeah, got me I my always, first ticket to my first concert ever was from Bono, front row from him personally. Wow. Yeah. That's man. that's really awesome. I, I like I, I actually like you two a lot, even though they get a lot of hate, but uh well, or at least their classic era, I've, you know, I love, I love the, I think Octane Baby's great, but, uh, but yeah, anyway. Um, of course, they're an amazing yeah. band. They're an amazing band. Yeah. They, they, but they, they suck when Daniel Lanois, the Canadian, isn't producing them. And he only produced them oh, from yeah. Unforgettable Fire up to like Beautiful Day. After that, he, you know, they need, Ireland really doesn't make, isn't good unless it goes through Canada. He's a Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you have no idea how many Irish people would like they would fucking hospitalize me if they heard me say that, and they have. Oh well, you um, what were you saying on your one podcast? You're like, uh, some did you say some Irish person was mad because you were playing Celtic music, and he's like, oh, you can't do that if you're not. I have not hundreds not. of Facebook uh, screenshots and text messages from Irish people saying, "Stop playing music, stop really playing weird. our music, you plastic patty faggot motherfucker." Wow. Why are they? That's, they sound like Philadelphians, you know? Who do you think Maybe. doxed me? It was, was those fuckers. While I was at a gig at the Irish pub, they sent people to my house to rob it. 
Uh, like in when you were in Canada? Yeah, in Vancouver. Oh, so they're like new people from over there? They just didn't want, uh, the, they didn't like the fact that I was taking up all the gigs and uh, they, but they couldn't compete because they they weren't getting the gigs i was getting wow. the gigs. they would like they would actually like a pub would hire them for a night to replace me and try them out and it wouldn't work yeah. out. they weren't you know wow. it's a whole complicated thing that uh that i've never really talked about too much and i, I don't really need to i mean the bottom yeah. line is you know it's it was an economic issue they couldn't compete performatively and so they made it about race. Like, you know, Canadians don't have a right to play Irish music, but yet Heck they're gosh, still yes. playing with other Canadians. So, you know, it's not yeah. legit complaints, right? It's just them yeah. making up excuses to beat the shit out of someone regularly. And that's what but it they, was about. But they were playing, they were playing in, they were in Canada when they were playing there, right? Oh yeah, all, here, all here in Vancouver, man. Heck, wow, that's weird. Uh, no. But anyway, like, you're not to... Yeah, no, I, it's not something I like to talk about because it's it's very sore subject. I mean, um, a lot I lost a lot of friends over it because like if they kept playing with me, then their lives would be at risk. Yeah, because like you know just this sort of hate, and you get that in the music scene. I mean, you know the the classic quote right about the music business. It's a long plastic hallway of cruel money trench where pimps and thieves roam free and good men die by the dozen. It also has a negative side. Yeah, um, that's the music business, man. Like, yeah. fucking people are people are like that, especially musicians who aren't good at making money, and then they start playing with you, and then they make a bunch of money, and then you cut them off because they're not on time, or they're doing too much coke, and so you're like, yeah. I'm sorry, I can't rely on you. So, I was paying thousands of dollars to my musicians who I would hire to play with me, thousands of dollars a month. I was paying them. But when I'd have to cut them off when they weren't making the gigs or they wouldn't know their shit or they were in the bathroom too much. And it's yeah. like, sorry, dude. Like, hey, I love a party as much as the next man, but we're trying to run a business here. And yeah. uh, plus, like, you know, most of the Irish musicians who came to town didn't sing and speak in Gaelic. And a lot of the pubs love the fact that I could play the bagpipes, the lutes, the flutes, the whistle, the illin pipes, all these things, and sing Asquelga in the Irish dialect yeah, language. And, like, and and these yeah. and these 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 punt these Irish guys who would immigrate over just wanted to like coast through on knowing a few songs, strumming the guitar, and they couldn't compete with professionals from Canada trained yeah. in Ireland. Like in Ireland, I would be in classes with twelve-year-old girls when I did lessons. But over in Canada, I was at the top of the the rungs, right? Yeah. And just a bunch of workmen coming over here with their guitars weren't able to compete against that. So they made it about race. They made it about yeah. your your plastic patty, which is like the N-word for the Irish insults against foreigners. Like, you know, you're a plastic patty. You're a fake yeah. Irish person. It's like Yeah. I speak your language. You don't even speak your own language, and I'm the plastic patty. And they're like, then you're. Then they start saying like, oh, well, you're a faggot. And you're like, well, that doesn't even make sense. Yeah. I would have no problem with being gay, but I'm not. They're like, oh no, that's just the word we call you before we hit you. Boom. Yeah, yeah. Right. And that's a whole other story. And that's a real reality. You get that yeah. in a lot of music genres, and uh, you get that like in the tarot scene right now. You got all these. My friends are getting all these death threats from Romani people saying, 
take your hands off our tarot cards like you know that's a that's a cultural appropriation thing it's like what are you talking about there's no such thing as cultural appropriation i'm yeah, sorry listeners really with the tarot thing yeah that, i'm sorry i mean i have i use is for my readings the first tarot deck the visconti and three of its cards are called faith hope and charity instead of the three other trumps that's as catholic as you're gonna get baby right faith hope and yeah, charity was, uh, that doesn't sound like very 15th, like romany yeah. pagan to me it doesn't yeah it was like the 15th century right and then yeah, 1473 states, and, yeah. i believe i i believe it's like 1470s yeah, I, I i was not aware that there was even a controversy around that which is probably good because you know it's not to even be, be aware of that but uh i just have the the i have a deck i just have the um which is the one the first one i bought was the uh the typical um brighter weight deck you know the the quintessential amazing new information on that yeah. coming out right like we know now that it should have should have probably more it's more aptly called the yates yeah. smith deck so like i remember that that was from the uh amazing. The website yeah the 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 roger paris yeah. the roger parasus lecture that came out showing that yates gave ae weight the information based on the grail mysteries from welsh culture not the german parsifal culture as was previously surmised and it published about by like uh, Tavi Cicero. Like now that like it's a, and there's a lot coming on that. I think, and for me, it makes me actually want to go get a Rider Waite tarot deck again and go deeper on it because it actually in the magician card, it has before gems of Ireland, instead of the four elemental weapons of the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, it has the four gems of Ireland, which is the spear, cool. the sword, yeah. the stone, the Stone of Destiny and the Cauldron of Plenty from the god the Daya, the Dagda, Dagda, yeah. Dagda, right? However you want to say the, the, it. The good god. <laughs> the good god, right? I mean, yeah. actually, the word should be pronounced if you use if you alliterate it properly. It's Daya, right? So you'd be like, gotcha, you know, yeah. yeah, well, because the G H, the H softens the consonant before, so the G has an H after it, which is a replacement for the dot that would have been above the G. And that makes the G a huh, makes it aspirated. Yeah. Then the D also has an H after it. So that makes the D a huh sound. Yeah. Same as if it had a, 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 a diacritic above the D. And so it's dia. But that said, old Irish is different from modern Irish and different again from middle Irish. So whenever you have these words, same with like kether, keter, keter, mm -hmm. right? Tiferet, Tifereth, Tiferet, Malkut, Malkut, Malkuth, yeah. Malkuth, Malkus. I mean, over time, these words have all been pronounced different ways by legitimate speakers. So yeah. don't worry about it too much. And when you vibrate these names in ritual magic, make sure you're not pronouncing them. Make sure you're vibrating them. It's not, you know, it's not pronounced it's vibrated it's not yeah. ata you don't touch your forehead and say ata you touch your forehead and go that's what you do and you feel that you fucking yeah. feel that in a way that that no language pronunciation or uh, phonetics really has much to say about it's not about phonetics or phonology or or even the morphological issues of how words are pronounced different throughout time. Fucking irrelevant. Yeah. I mean, the, the meaning, the intention is there, the visualization is there, 
sound it, right? Let that fucking vibration echo through your body, echo through your sphere of sensation, and then echo through eternity. That's what magic's about. Not fucking pedantics. <laughs> That's good to know. I'm, I'll, I'll remember that. Um, Please do. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think that's you know that's a good thing to consider rather than to get caught up on the you know the the proper pronunciation. But every but, time but I it's, hear it's talk about the proper pronunciation, I just like yeah, you like what, whatever. I'm just like I mean, I, but I I feel because like that's what I was stuck doing for a while until I saw it done right, and I'm like, oh shit, like there's this whole other thing I don't realize that's going on. And that's spirituality in a nutshell for you. Right. Like in music, yeah. again, it goes back to music, right. You know, how many times do people pick up an instrument and try and do what you do? And they're like, Oh, so I, I, I was messing with your instrument and it's really hard. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's really fucking hard until it's not. And then it just yeah. flows. And exactly. that's, that's a skill. That's not a talent. That's something you just put your time into every day. And it happens, and there's nothing more to be said about it. Magic yeah. is about having a, a daily magical practice. Like, I did ritual work right before this podcast started. And it shook me. It always shakes me. Mm -hmm. It shakes me all night long. It shakes me in a way that, like, I, it takes my breath away each time a little bit. How much, even as something as simple as a Kabbalistic cross can affect me, or a basic meditation for rising in the plains. It affects me in a, in a drastic way because no matter how far along the path I go, it's still just as traumatic every time that you focus your will, your imagination and your intentions, and then your physical body on a singular act of creation, even if it's just the creation of a point of light above your head shining into the cosmos it's going to affect you. And if it yeah. doesn't, then you weren't focused and just do it again tomorrow and you'll get there. Mm -hmm. Like fucking like every time I play a song really fucking well in my head, I'm like, damn, I suck. Even if I nail it because I'm still looking at the people who can do what I can't do. And you should do the same in spirituality, but instead of looking at other people, you're looking at your idealized perception of yourself. We got to hold ourselves to that high standard. Exactly. Yeah. And that's the challenge of spirituality and mysticism, as opposed to music, where you can be like, "I want to be like that, that person." Yeah. I want to be like that guy. In our in spirituality, we have to. If we don't have a religion, especially, we have to create this vision of who we could become. That's where magical names and mottos are so powerful. Like, if you don't have a magical name and motto when you first write their first magical diary entry, fucking make one up. Doesn't yeah. matter if it changes. Like I'm Frater RC. That was a name given to me by Nineveh Shadrach when I was initiated. He's like, this is the name. And how did he get it? He scried it from my higher self or my Akashic records. He did the most powerful magical traveling he could do with his spirit to mm -hmm. see what name I needed to get me through the elemental progression of the outer order. And then once I went through that progression, I was allowed to choose my own name. Now, some of the orders let you choose your own name from the beginning, and that's fine. It doesn't really matter. But I like the practice of having someone uh, sort of channel or scry your outer order or your magical motto for the beginning, because then you get to do one for your own solar and adept initiation later on. And if you're going to have two magical mottos, would you rather have them both be ones you pick yourself? Or wouldn't it be cooler that 
The first one is one someone else gives you. And the second one is someone cool, you earn. Yeah. That to me is just a little bit more intense. And I'm always for when it's an option for being less or more intense, you know what I'm picking, baby. Turn exactly. it up to 11. Intense, yeah. Have you, um, uh, I was going back to Coil again. Well, actually, the, um, the, the, uh, I'm so old. You said coil, and I assumed you meant Lacuna coil, and I don't uh, even know who Lacuna coil is. Not really. I mean, well, they're like they're kind of like that goth metal. I mean, I'm not asking. I'm not asking. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I'm joking but, with um, you, man. There was that uh, that group um, that uh, there was there was like a chaos magic group, um, uh, the Temple of Psychic Youth. Have you heard of them? With uh, that was yeah, that's Jason Lou. That's Jason Lou yeah, and Genesis P. Orge. So Jason yeah. Lou worked at my buddy from Walder School's bookstore for a while in Vancouver. He actually sold me a copy of Meditation La Tarot when my old one got taken. Yeah. He's yeah, he, he wrote it, um, the the psychic Bible. Yeah, I I, I bought that. Uh, he, he like republished it uh um with uh the, the original stuff with uh with Genesis. Um but yeah, I think they, they did uh, something, I, I guess it was kind of different. They had uh, their, their members had like, uh, they were known as like, uh, the, the male members and the, the female members had like different um, designators, like the, the, the men were, or Eden. And then I guess they developed then their own names after that. It was, I, I, I guess it was um, part of, they got criticized then being kind of cult-like, which. Uh, well, I think they did a lot of sex magic and ketamine. Yeah. Uh, probably yeah or definitely oh. not definitely, probably yeah yeah um yeah. but uh, the 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 two dudes that were in coil uh or, or at least one of them peter christopherson i think john balance was too were in um the temple psychic youth because the peter christopherson from coil was in psychic tv with genesis um and then yeah. he left and they did coil after that but yeah god rest yeah, genesis anyway. P.O.R.J. Yeah, yeah, I, I, that was that was crazy. Uh, with uh, uh, his, her, Zer, uh, you know, he was, she, he, you know, they were, he, they were, <laughs> became like a. Well, Genesis Pureg is cancer, one of those human beings who, who, who I feel like you don't like truly transcended those titles, you know. Like think, if someone, yeah, if someone agree, wants yeah. me to use some some crazy alien title like Zay or Z, and I know people who yeah. I use Zay or Z for, and I fuck up all the time, and they don't care because they're real human beings who aren't fucking douchebags. Yeah. They don't mind. They we all laugh about it, right? Like you know, we, that's the thing about real people. You can joke yeah. with them, but like Genesis P. Orge, really, like if they were like I'm called Zazer or Zezer or or whatever, they you'd be like obviously obviously like you're yeah. owning it you're owning it and that's what i like to see magically is when people really own their path right as far yeah. as, as opposed to this sort of aesthetic uh gilding of of specialness that we all struggle for at a lower stage of sort of psychic and psychological development i mean as musicians we understand the the, the intrigue and the desire to just put on a, an appearance show but mm -hmm there's a difference between people who are just like trying hard and living oh, yeah. their art. Exactly. Yeah. I, um, that was crazy when you had, when Genesis first, when Genesis got the cancer diagnosis and then, you know, then she passed away from it. But yeah, they, they, uh, did really live that, that role. I mean, just all the way, just from, 
the initial days of Genesis and Throbbing Gristle to his their fusion of the the masculine and feminine beings into you know into one identity. I mean, yeah, it was just uh, but yeah, the Temple of Psychic Youth, you know, was I thought was was interesting in a in a bizarre way. Have you um they took a lot from uh, the the process church to the final judgment. Have you do you, have you, do you know them and all that? Uh, no, no. The people I know was, who um, were like with the site, the Temple of Cycle Youth, were also with like the Coyote Church and a lot of different groups. I mean, you guys got so many options down in the states, whereas up here we're like we got sweat lodges. That's about it. Oh yeah, they, the process church was. Um, and I only mention them because there's a lot of in the '90s. Um, there were a lot of hardcore bands that weirdly got really in, influenced by them and incorporated all their stuff into their music. But they were like, they came out of like the hippie scene in in, in like San Francisco. I think the the dude Robert De Grimstam. He I think he was like an English-born dude. Um, he like co-founded it. Uh, I forget the, the lady's name though, unfortunately. Um, but they were like a, um, a really kind of bizarre group. Uh, they kind of divided like um, the they had the idea of like dividing like the Godhead, kind of like William Blake with the with the um, the Zoas uh, into like four components. There was like people are I which people follow like kind of are a melding of of each of these four components, and there was like Jehovah. Christ, Satan, and Lucifer, um, and they all embody different like archetypes. And you people are supposed we're supposed to like go with whatever uh, combination of two like they naturally like fit into. Um, and like their whole thing too. Like this is obviously really simplified. Uh, again, someone probably listening that is you know, is an expert on the process church should probably be really really. I've never that. heard of this, but I'm fascinated. But um, yeah, and their also thing was like they the idea of like um, like uh, the lamb and the goat, you know, Christ and Satan, kind of were like kind of fusing as one. Um, it was it was like from some really interesting interpretation, I guess, of of biblical stuff, also mixed with the occult, um, and they were like, well, then you know, that's going to happen. And then the real devil is going to be humanity. And that they had the slogan, humanity is the devil. Um, and it was like, uh, these like unwoken elements in humanity, the gray forces, that's like the, that's the real devil and all that. And, uh, um, they put, they have like some of their, you can get some of their stuff online, um, in PDF form, like their newsletters and all that. But, um, they, uh, they influenced this, to the, the temple psychic youth um they they eventually they stopped existing they were like um they got a lot of bad publicity and then they were kind of associated with like the manson family uh to some degree which i don't know how really yeah i don't know i i don't there was there was like a, a lot of stuff about them that i don't know all of it was true um but they they had a lot of bad publicity and they kind of split and then the, it's very um, Crowleyan of them, right? A lot, of, of, a lot uh, of press. Don't know if it's true, but it's definitely dramatic. Yeah, and then um, the, they became a, like the the remaining element became like a 
a regular Christian church, weirdly, and then they just sort of ceased. And then I think th- th- then they they became like an animal shelter after that. That was like it was a really interesting. <laughs> of course they did. Of course they did. Um, but there was these uh, in the night, other than Genesis and uh, the Temple of Psychic Youth, they weirdly were revived like a lot of their their ideas and their 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 writings and their symbolisms in the 90s and uh, cleveland the cleveland hardcore scene um this band called integrity which uh they're really they're a really great uh wow really really uh crazy cult fused hardcore band um and they incorporated them in kind of some like-minded bands they incorporated a lot of their um elements they're called the uh, holy terror hardcore kind of uh aesthetic and integrity had an album named humanity is the devil which specifically referenced the wordage of um the process church and uh yeah it's really uh like you know when i started getting into like that kind of music that's that was like oh that's that's some crazy but but interesting shit you know but i but i didn't know at the time how interconnected it was with um like the temple psychic youth and all that stuff but yeah it's a it's interesting. Hmm. Very lots of, interesting. Lots of, lots of crazy characters, you know. That you should, yeah, you should look them up. Though. They're really, they're really weird. The both in the band Integrity and and the original Process Church. Uh, but yeah. Anyway, um, I will be checking it out for sure. I was yeah. I taught a lot of uh, process theology, but I don't think that's the same thing at all. Which process no, theology you know, they, is about Paul Tillich? Yeah, no, yeah, they. I think they may have take like taken the wordage from from that, really? but um, I yeah, I think they they. Do you know what the idea of process theology actually is? And this is not an idea. This is a huge influence in theology. Are you familiar with it? Um, not not it's, totally. No, it's highly interrelated it. to the Catholic yeah. theologian, the Jesuit Teilhard de Chardin's idea of the newosphere and the future of man. But oh, like basically, the, yeah, the omega point, right? Yeah, omega point, exactly. <laughs> but process theology was a much more generalized idea that God is not a transcendental uh, signifier in the way that Karl Barth, the theologian, would see him as this almighty God. And God yeah. is also not a pantheistic deity and not even a panentheistic deity that interrelates between all these things, sort of like the force. They saw yeah. God as something that very much was in the idea of Tselem, the concept of, of us being the mirror of God, but God is more the mirror of nature. And so God is developing along evolutionarily with us and nature. That's the idea. That's interesting. Yeah, there is a... Um... Paul Tillich is an amazing theologian. Like every time in seminary, I would read Paul Tillich. Every time I'd read some of his work, I'd be like, I'm a process theologian. That's what I am. That's, I know it. I know it. And then I'd read something more deconstructive and be like, oh, maybe not. Okay. okay." But like, he's that kind of um, of a powerful thinker, especially if you're struggling with ideas of transcendental divinity versus natural pantheistic divinity and you but you also like the idea of evolution and us developing towards a spiritual path of progression very attractive idea process theology yeah i I think it makes a lot of sense you know i mean like it's very magical yeah i mean uh because um yeah like you mean for myself it's hard to relate to you know personally from the um 
the general like Judeo-Christian idea of, of a very single transcendental, you know, uh, separated being. Um, that's why like uh, Yates and like William Blake were kind of, you know, I always thought they were appealing. William Blake, yeah. Um, Blake but, um, and Goethe, like Johann von Wolfgang von Goethe and Yates really are these literary figures, hey, who, um, yeah. who just have so, they're so magically dense, right? There's oh, other yeah, there's absolutely. other ones that are dense as well, but like it's so appealing. That that actually brings me to to talk about. Um, you were interested in in the Celtic stuff, so I directed you to what we're working on with the Order of Celtic Mysteries, which really you know because I don't want to get into the whole self initiatory, um, astral initiatory path. Like it's meant to be based around actually having these ceremonies that you actually come to. Unfortunately, that stuff's really got to be on hold until, you know, your civil war is over and, and people can travel outside of their own countries again. Exactly. I'm joking, but I'm not, right? Like, you know, so much weighs on that. Now, if in six months from now, it looks like things are getting worse, not better, then maybe I'll consider some sort of remodeling of it into something that we could begin to do without getting together physically. Um, but yeah, it's, it's going to be... It's, I love the idea of taking what Yates did. What Yates started was, was the idea with Mathers of taking these golden dawn practices and, and teachings and methodologies and applying them and presenting them in, through the Celtic Druidic lens. To me, that is the most exciting thing, especially because it allows the same magical rigor. We can still be magically rigorous in our development, but do it through these ceremonies that are specifically yeah, based on the Celtic ethos. And to me, that's super exciting. Um, the idea of integrating entheogenic stuff with certain uh, optional phases of initiation is also a very exciting and I think edgy thing, right? Like how yeah, cool would it be definitely. for those who are willing and able and not at risk? Um, how cool would it be to have some of those initiations be based around psilocybin or peyote or DMT and integrate yeah. that? So you'd go through it both ways. You wouldn't just go through it one way. But I think that is a very exciting future for us in initiatory humanity, where we can actually start to, in a safe way, explore reintegrating this plant medicine back into our ceremonies, you know, because it's been stripped the fuck out of our lives and condemned as drugs. Like everyone, all my relatives, they're like popping pills all day long till the cows come home. But the second you mentioned DMT or acid or, or psilocybin yeah, or, like, or MDMA for, for, for soldiers with PTSD, they're like, mm -hmm. oh, well, that's drugs and that's bad. Oh, yeah, I don't want to hear exactly. you talk about more drugs after they've just finished swapping opioids with each other. I know. Well, that's, that's deliberate though. I mean, that's just part of the, our, condition you know social conditioning and it's but, working yeah, it, it's working yeah it's horrifying but it's working yeah dude the is, hair's off the charts man <laughs> you just turned your hair job up to 11 baby yeah we should probably um, wrap up because this has gone on so long i don't even know what time it is i'm making that up i just i i know i'm oh uh, no it's all right yeah um by the way yeah, that poem was called it's a uh, uh i don't know if i'm pronouncing it right because it's but uh Rib, you know, R-I-B-H, one of his characters. Uh, Rib considers Christian love insufficient. And that's the part where he's like... Okay, well, no, you're reading uh, the whole poem. Read the whole poem. Uh, do you want me to read the whole poem? Yeah. I'll, do it, I'll do it, yeah. Uh, it's 
Why should I seek for love or study it? It is of God and passes human wit. I study hatred with great diligence, for that's a passion in my own control, a sort of besom that can clear the soul of everything that is not mind or sense. Why do I hate man, woman, or event? That is a light my jealous soul can, has sent. From terror and deception freed, it can discover impurities and show at last how soul may walk when all things are past. How soul could walk before such things began. Then my delivered soul herself shall learn a darker knowledge and in hatred turn from every thought of God mankind has had. Thought is a, gar is a garment and the soul's a bride that cannot in the trash and tinsel hide. Hatred of God may bring the soul to God. At stroke of midnight, soul cannot endure a bodily or mental furniture. What can she take until her master give? Where can she look until he make the show? What can she live until he bid her know? How can she live till her blood he live? And that's... That's a fucking intense poem. I know, yeah. It's not even one of the ones I know so well. And that's what's shocking about, like, you know, it's easy to, to say, oh, sure, Yeats is a major poet, but maybe He's one of the lesser of major ones. Yeah. But people aren't... I think I think we we wrote off his occultism in the same way that we wrote off a lot of his poetry. Some of it was oh, just yeah, too absolutely. intense for us at the time. And yeah. I, one thing I like about him, unlike Aleister Crowley, is Crowley was sort of a GD flunky, right? He got what he got out of the system, but then he went off and just went crazy with his own thing. And I love the fact that he went crazy with his own thing. I fucking oh, yeah, like yeah. most of us wouldn't even know about magic if it wasn't for Aleister Crowley. But Yeats was the guy who was busy doing the work the whole time. He became a senator and helped free yeah. Ireland. Like, that guy, he created the Celtic Order of Mysteries with the intention of freeing Ireland, and then Ireland got free, and he became one of its senators. Now, if I told yeah. you that I was going to create a magical order based around First Nations spirituality because I'm uh, half a percent First Nations, just like Nancy Pelosi or whoever the fuck it is that said that. So you had someone who said that and they got a scholarship or something. I don't know. I don't want to get in. We're done with America. Not done with you, Philadelphia, but we're <laughs> done with America. But anyway, if I was like, I'm one one hundredth of a cent uh, Shimsham or, or, or Blackhawk, now I'm going to create a magical order to bring about First Nation unity in Canada and become the most, take over 50% of representation in government. And imagine if I said that, and I did that, and 40 years later that happened, and I became one of its people as a First Nation yeah. person. Now, in this, in this, in this narrative, I'm an actual First Nation person, which I'm not at all. <laughs> but like, if I was, and I did that, and that happened, you'd be like, "Motherfucker, right?" Yeah, you'd, it's incredible. You'd be yeah. like, "What the fuck did you just do with your life?" I'd be like, "I don't know. I made, I freed our race." Like, that's what Yates yeah. was like. I want to free our, yes, our race through magic. Then he did a bunch of magic, freed his race, and became one of its senators. And his yes, son was yeah. also a senator. And Celtic, he also, the secondary purpose of the Order of Celtic Mysteries, which he didn't finish, didn't complete, didn't get up and running, but still did magic as, a, as an adept to, to the highest level in the Golden Dawn to create that, 
even with the Matherses after they were in Paris and apparently schismed. That, that alone was enough for him to affect that kind of change and the change, especially not just politically, but culturally and create, he wanted Irish mythology and Celtic culture to become significant in the world. Fast forward to the 90s and Enya and the whole Celtic tiger uh, yeah, revolution. And he literally achieved basically absolutely everything he intended yeah. magically um, to happen without exception almost, except for like yeah. six counties in the North of Ireland. But you know, fuck them. They're a bunch of fucking uh, yeah. cream buns. Americans love everything Celtic and Irish, especially. So yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's a, it, it has been, you know, it's, it's, it's spread. Absolutely. Well, I, yeah. you, were, you and me were talking about OTO and Crowley. Then we talked about Golden Dawn. Then we talked about, I mentioned Yates and Crowley. You mentioned Yates. Next thing you know, you're subscribing to the Order of Celtic Mysteries and part of our, our small but very powerful group of people that want to see this happen. And it is going to happen. Actually, because of the situation in the world, probably the first initiation is going to have to happen at John D. and Edward Kelly's Tower in Prague. It's more likely that it's going to happen there than in Canada nice. uh, because of what's going on in North America. And I'm not actually opposed to that. I really did like the idea yeah, of doing yeah. it out in nature, but if we have to do the first initiation in Prague, it's it's some ways more affordable than a bunch of people oh, you know, yeah. coming to Canada. Yeah. And plus it's Prague, right? So we can throw in a little bit of extra Anakian lectures and stuff and do some workings in Kelly service because I know the people involved really well and and they're the hotels actually there in the courtyard and everyone can just get rooms in the hotel in the courtyard That's in awesome. Prague sitting there and from your patio you'll see Kelly's tower in front of you where they serve drinks that with, with smoke wow. coming out of the top so we would actually be able to fit if we did it in BC at Soma Institute we could only fit like 12 attendees in the next two yeah. years that's, if we do it in Prague, <laughs> if we do it in Prague, we could fit 30, 20 to 20 to 40 people tops. You still can't really have more than 40 people at a practical magic convocation, but like yeah. that is manageable and fucking Prague. I mean, I mean that yeah, it's still I a mess right it. now. <laughs> Europe is still super fucked up. They're fucked up in Prague, they're fucked up everywhere, right? Yeah. But the basements, the alchemist basements they have are fully decked out and you have room actually for three fully operating temples or a classroom and two operating temples going all through the night. And they let me stay there all night long. Just, yeah, don't wreck anything. Yeah. It's like, well, I just want to do rituals. And they're like, me and a friend just <laughs> stayed there all night long doing whatever wow, we wanted Yeah, underneath John D and Kelly's tower in a basement in Prague. Like, Fucking a, let's do it. I do yeah, want to do a lot I of the. Idea. I want to do a lot of the stuff in Ireland as well, but uh, you know, I think uh, I think Prague's going to become a safer place to travel to before Ireland or the UK and uh, England and Ireland yeah. is. They're they're almost in some ways more locked down than America in a lot of ways. They're they're sort of. Yeah, I heard that. Yeah, it's crazy. Like fucking man. I mean, beating people in the street and stuff like that. This shit's like. Yeah. I don't want to get back into it again. It's nice to talk about the mysteries. Like hearing you read that poem makes me realize, yeah, this is the shit I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I don't give a fuck yeah, what anyone thinks about it. I don't care. I, uh, when I hear that, yeah. that poem read, I'm like, that's it. That's what makes me happy to get up every day and go hardcore. Definitely. I mean, that's why I, uh, 
you know, that like, you know, like I said, I mean, you know, with, with, with Crowley, I mean, you know, like Talima, you know, is appealing to a degree, you know, um, philosophically, which is why, you know, I initially looked it out, but, um, I mean, really the, you know, I don't really, I don't like idolize Crowley as a, you know, I mean, I just think Yates is just a, as a much more interesting person, you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, eventually, you know, I mean, I'd have to see how it would, you know, with, with Okia would even, you know, I, I don't know how, uh, compatible oh, necessarily those. It's totally compatible, baby. Totally like, compa I yeah. think, I think, I think the future, like, like, you know, OTO, Golden Dawn, Celtic Mysteries, all that shit should be compatible. It should all oh, be yeah, no, If it's yeah. not compatible, then we're doing it wrong. Because yeah. it's, like, hermeticism and, like, sort of Gnostic magical spirituality, it's way too niche to stay, to stay super divided. Like, get with the program. Like, come yeah. on. Come on. Come on. Like, the more I get... Okay, let's... We're going to end this by getting back into music. The more I, when I started playing music, all I wanted to play was traditional Irish music. Played the Irish hand drum. I competed. Gone mm -hmm. to the whistles and the flutes and the bagpipes. Then the eight-string Irish lute or bazooki, and then the twelve-string Renaissance, fifteen and twenty-one-string medieval Renaissance. Then I learned guitar. Then I learned some bass. Then I learned more percussion. Then I learned to sing. All this shit, right? But like, the more I learned, the less I cared about whether or not I was playing traditional Irish music. Next thing you know, yeah. I was in a steampunk band. Next thing you know, I'm a on-demand session player. It's like if in Vancouver, someone was playing a show and they're like, yo, it's a solo gig, but I'm really not feeling confident, but it's a big venue. Could you show up? Here's my songs. I'm like, I don't need the songs. Just give me a list, like <laughs> one through 12. And, that the, and all I want you to write is like the key. And yeah. they'd be like, should I tell you the keys? I'm like, honestly, I'm not even going to look at the list. You're going to play two notes and I'm going to know what key you're in and I'll back you up because I didn't care if they were playing Britney Spears or Taylor Swift or their <laughs> own song. It didn't matter. I just want to play yeah. music at that point. So like Golden Dawn, OTO, Celtic Mysteries, Fairy Wicca, Shamanism, Voodon, Santeria. Like I just want to do ritual work. I want to do magic. I want to engage with spirits. Yeah, because when you're talking to a spirit, they they really don't care like what clothes you're wearing. <laughs> Every time I do DMT, and I'm like, "This is who I am." They're like, "We know who the fuck you are, bitch. Don't give us that. Don't yeah. give us that." They're like, "If you want to show us some new level of truth that you have a hard time admitting to yourself and ascend to a higher spiritual realm through psychic force, we're open to that. Those spirits are open to that. They're like, oh yeah." pull back some layers of the onion and show us a bit more of your soul nakedly in truth before God. And we'll open up some doorways for you, but don't yeah. like, don't show us your fucking grade certificates or your, all your pretty badges or your necklaces or your crystals. I don't care how yeah. much oil you rubbed on that crystal, right? <laughs> Those spirits see us nakedly for who we are. And if we can't admit it to ourselves, we're sure not going to get very far with them. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're right. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, it should, I think, I think, you know, it should be compatible. And I think it's like, it's ultimately what, you know, with the, with titles and stuff we give, we give ourselves and that is, is shouldn't be the, shouldn't be the focus and, you know, is ultimately irrelevant and, you know, into itself.
So would uh, you be willing to, are you willing to say that you're going to like practice like the LBRP or the middle pillar daily from now to like a set amount of time and then we'll touch back in with you and you'll give oh, us a report. Yeah, absolutely. What sort of yeah, commitment definitely. would you feel comfortable making right now? Cause I bet people would be as interested as I am <laughs> in seeing this done in real time, essentially from now to whatever point in your life, like people, we're all curious. This is, there's, there's not much in my opinion that's scientific about magic, but this can be, the methodology can be a little sciencey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, I, I would be, I'm totally interested in, um, in, in doing that and checking, you know, having a, you know, uh, well, you know, I obviously hope to, to chat with you again before then, but yeah, definitely checking in, in like, yeah, that, that couple month period and letting you know how it went. I, I think that's, that's definitely from probably both our perspectives. I think it'll be, it'll be pretty fascinating just to see, uh, you know, from your your end and then mine you know how how you know yeah just just exploring that definitely we'll talk offline yeah we'll talk offline but well you know we look forward to seeing like yeah i'm curious to see what ritual practice you introduce into your life and how you find that to manifest things or alter things. That would be really fun. Do you want to like wrap this up again by reading that poem again? Because I think Uh, you're a performer at heart. Otherwise, you wouldn't be learning the bass, which is obviously, according to Davey504, who you should all watch on YouTube, the best instrument in the whole world. If you're not slapping the bass, you're basically wasting your life. Get it, basically? Uh, Yeah, I... The puns and the and the fact behind it, I, I appreciate. Oh, I think the bass is underrated. Yeah, Justin uh, Chancellor, remember, got the Tool connection again. But, yeah. I thought so much of Tool was electric guitar that actually turned out to be Chancellor's bass. Oh, he plays yeah. lead. He's actually he playing does. lead yeah. more than Adam Jones on guitar. Like yeah, the bass is more in, lead. Um, uh, in um, the most recent album. Uh, uh, shit! What the hell is that song? Which I actually, I like that album. Yeah, I, uh, <laughs> dude. I of like course that. you like that album. It won. It, it deserved the yeah. Grammy. It won, man. They they that album is fucking amazing. That album even has elements of a perfect circle and Pussifer in it because it is the uh, summation of everything that Maynard is with those bandmates. Yeah, the um. The one song off it, uh, Invincible. He there's that one part where he has that, um, such there's that really, uh, Justin Chancellor has like, yeah, the bass solo on that, but it's like yeah. he processes the, the, uh, it, it does you know, it doesn't sound like a bass. It's, it's, I don't know what, what, uh, what he did do it, but it, it's crazy. <laughs> he but fucked anyway, it, yeah. he fucked it with he, his musical uh, soul. He did, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll read us out then. Uh, I'll take us, the, the take us home. Time. Take us home, baby, as we hit that three-hour mark. Yes, so this is uh, Rib, Reeb, considers Christian love insufficient. Why should I seek for love or study it? It is of God and passes human wit. I study hatred with great diligence, for that's a passion in my own control, a sort of vessel that can clear the soul of everything that is not mind or sense. Why do I hate man, woman, or event? That is a light my jealous soul has sent. 
from fear and deception freed, it can discover imp impurities and show at last how soul may walk when all such things are past, how soul could walk before such things began. Then my delivered soul herself shall learn a darker knowledge and in hatred turn from every thought of God mankind has had, thought as a garment and the soul's a bride that cannot in, the tr in that trash and tinsel hide. Hatred of God may bring the soul to God. At stroke of midnight, soul cannot endure a bodily or mental furniture. What can she take until her master give? Where can she look until he, he make the show? What can she know until he bid her know? How can she live till her blood he live? So mode it be, eh? You pretty motherfucker. Thank exactly. you for reading that with me. Uh, can I call you Jimbo? Sure. <laughs> no. Jim Panacio, is that how you say your name? Uh, Panacio. It was originally two C's, I think, before the Ellis Island. You know, Jimbo Panacio. Jimbo yeah. Panacio. My uncle's name Jimbo. He hates it, which is why I'm fucking with you a little bit. <laughs> he's like my name I mean, is I've, james uh, my name is james we're like yeah whatever you say jimbo he's like it's james i i've heard i feel like all variations of jim by now so it's you know it's i have no i have no objections to it well james panaccio panaccio you don't have any uh places or links for music yet do you but is there any way people can find you online if they want to uh, uh, call and harass you for hair tips? Uh, yeah, I mean, they can go to my <laughs> very so sparsely populated Instagram, which has like five posts on it. Um, but you know, that's, well, that's archived underscore metalcore, you know. To... I love it. I'll tag you in the, in the graphic. All so. right, yeah. Dude, it was such a pleasure. I loved getting to talk about music. I may not be able to play music with anyone right now, but God knows talking about it is is the next best thing. And uh, and seeing, I love talking with musicians who also practice magic. It's a rare thing. I mean, it's not that rare to find, but it's we don't always get the opportunity. And and the the corollaries between magical practice, musical development things like martial arts as well and, and really any yeah. any rich area of skill development because music is unique it's not like just getting a phd in science or literature right it's like music is hits you on every fucking level like even if you want to go to tedious levels like brand development and marketing and advertising or graphic design or visual imagery or music videos like it's all there right it's it's similar to ritual magic ceremonial magic religion spirituality is so intimately intertwined that you can really even see these uh, developmental connections between the two art forms. And I think they're both art forms, beginning and end. Like, is there a scientific yeah. methodology that you can apply to it? Sure. Does it, do you need to think of it, them, those things as sciences? It's not very helpful in my opinion to think of music as a science you know all those fucking assholes who are like here's how all the pop songs line up and you can see they oh, do this yeah, or that no. yeah yeah we all get oh yeah it's a, uh, it's yeah. it's so depressing when you hear people do it that because depressing. then you mm -hmm. always are like but didn't all those same critics and music theorists say led zeppelin would fail and trash all of their albums 
yeah, so they're all wrong. And yet you're still touting the same analytical bullshit about how to make a hit? Fuck off. It's when you do something. Yes, you can make a hit the standard way, but you can also make a hit by rupturing everything that's standard. And that's magic at its core, really. Definitely. Thanks for being on Magic Without Fears, brother. Oh, yeah. Uh, thanks for having me. I appreciate you uh, taking the time out and time you know, out. Sharing this a lot is of- what I live for is to talk with people with more hair than me. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I got I got that I got that going for me now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, Philadelphia, no, my friend. It's a pleasure, and I wish you and everyone in America all the best. It's tough times, and uh, you know I may not be able to send you weed from Canada, but I can send my love. Oh, so. I appreciate it. Well. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, drown ourselves in our own or, you know, we'll smoke ourselves out in our own weeds. I don't know where it's going. Well, let's, let's look forward to, uh, let's look forward to, uh, it's not going to happen this year on Yates's birthday weekend, but the following year, Prague 2022, I mean, it's like basically waiting for Marvel stage five at this point, but it is, um, yeah. 2022 in Prague on Yates's birthday weekend. I think that we can make that happen for the first physical initiations to be done for whoever wants to make it out to John D and Edwards Kelly Tower, Edward Kelly's Tower. So that's that's what I'm looking forward to because the next year's a wash. It really is at this point. Um, yeah. I mean, a few I'm... things might happen, but professionally, like there's no conferences for me to apply to. There's no grant fundings for lecture tours that I'm usually accessible have access to so you know we just have to roll with it and family first let's stay stay close to home and and develop ourselves I like the comedian Ray I was talking to uh she's like you know when this is over we can all get back go out have a party and present our best selves and that might not be very helpful to people who are homeless like me and trying to find a way to survive this and not die. But for a lot of us, this is a chance to really develop ourselves and come back at the world with our best selves. And uh, you're learning base, so you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Slap that shit, baby. It's good, gotta do it. <laughs> and I fucking hope you sign off now. Go watch some Davy 504. Like, not a lot, just at least 20 minutes to five or six hours of it. And then tell me how right I was that Davey 504 on YouTube is the shit. I'll do it, yeah. I'll, the guy's I'll send you some a millionaire. I don't know why I'm shouting him out. I'm shouting him out because I actually do fucking, I am fucking yeah, obsessed no. with him. I'm actually legitimately obsessed with him. I watch way too much of his content. It's like, it's a sickness. And all he does is play bass and fuck around. So anyway. I'll do it. I'll I'll send you some jam, some integrity, and some other weird hardcore music and stuff. Send me some integrity, integrity. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll send you some. I'll send you some integrity farms. Send me some yeah. Teg- yeah. All right, man. Peace out, bro. Uh, Take care. Uh, see you on the be, streets be of Philadelphia. Ooh. <laughs> that was awesome, man. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Hermetic Science Enterprises is a publishing company based in Scotland, UK, that specializes in Western esoteric printed literature as well as educational videos. With various imprints under its belt, its roster consists of grimoire tradition literature, alchemical works, Golden Dawn tradition books, and 
the several texts and videos originally belonging to the philosophers of nature. Besides its downloadable videos and standard hardcover edition books, Hermetic Science Enterprises also produces beautiful and precious limited fine edition books that are true pieces of art. For more information to order any of its products, please visit www.hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk That's hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk And as a lot of you know, I've uh, talked with the publisher Lenny on the podcast before, including a six-hour epic uh, extended version on the Patreon, and uh, seen the fine edition of his new grimoire of Scott's Discovery of Witchcraft, which is only available for purchase up to 50 limited copies uh, till the end of May, I believe. So check it out now, hermeticscienceenterprises.co.uk.